Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the End Defender community. Uh, we took a break. We're back, about the same as ever. Uh, I'm Kelso. And I'm Kyla. And I'm Carl. And we have guests. Uh, hi, I'm Alex Beecham, uh, creative director of Outer Wilds. And uh, I'm Lon Verneau, uh designer and producer on Outer Wilds. Spoiler, yeah, that's the game we played. We have, yeah, we have folks on the podcast. It's exciting. Uh, thanks for coming on, guys. Oh yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, yes. thanks for having us. So I can't remember if I, me- I, th- I assume I mentioned this last time, uh, but Lone and Alex are the year before me, or year after me, I guess. You're younger, <laughs> whatever that is, uh, at uh, at USC. So we are USC colleagues. Uh, yeah. And I played their game uh, when it was not but a student thesis, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about. <laughs> a student thesis that made me incredibly nauseous in the first five minutes. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Back yeah. in the day. You'll be happy to know that I only got nauseous the first time I played the the actual game, and oh, then I got used to it. That's, that's great. great. Yeah. I feel like... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was saying it's probably... Says more about like how you've changed than the game, though. <laughs> Maybe we're we are constantly battling uh, Kyla's motion sickness, and I always feel terrible. Like when I pick a game and Kyla comes back, like I I have to play this in five minute increments with Aww. a gallon of ginger ale at the ready. Like, oh, what <laughs> yes. have I done? Yes, I've been I've invested in tiny cans of ginger ale, and that's just like my go to. <laughs> that's how I play first person games now. Uh, but it's fine. You guys were actually. I was expecting this to be really bad because of the, uh, because of the like you know omnidirectional controls stuff. But actually, it was I think less bad for me than Doom, which wow. is surprising. <laughs> wow, nice. Uh, uh, we did add, uh, or we are adding a, a field of view controls for. Uh, <laughs> oh, that good. That is yeah. That's a big one. People. Yeah. Uh, but before we get too deep into uh, into like the actual specifics of the game, how's everybody been for the past like month where we haven't uh, podcasted? Oh yeah, I, look, I'm gonna just say it. That was my fault. I really <laughs> screwed the pooch with respect to my schedule. Uh, I had both a wedding and a funeral to attend on alternating no weekends. I had both a wedding and a funeral to attend, but mine were on the same day. Oh, whoa! That's that's really packing it in there. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, which one did you do first? I did the wedding first. Okay, so you did. So you did a wedding, and then the next weekend I had a funeral and a wedding, and then the next weekend you had a funeral. Yes. (laughs) Wow. Wait. So I was. I was in Pennsylvania for the funeral. I know that you, your ancestral homeland is Pennsylvania. Were you yes, out here? I, I was also in Pennsylvania for both of them. Uh, what? Oh, that's wild. Well, that's cool. Um, I'm just really tired now. I thankfully didn't have anything to do this weekend. Uh, so that was great. I love not having anything to do on a weekend. Fantastic. Did uh, did everybody watch uh, Summer Games Done Quick this past week? I did not. A little bit. Any any favorites? Because I I if you have 
elephant, I highly recommend the like blindfolded super punch out on Wii. <laughs> that was absurd. It's a Wii game, so he has to do point and click menuing. Oh my god. Like blindfolded. It was absurd. Huh. That's cool. Yeah. That's that's like one of my favorite things. I'll have to check that out because all of the GDQs are things that I don't watch live, but then I just check up on the highlights later. So yeah, that that's will totally be, fair. That will be on the list. Um, Alex and Lone, have you guys done anything in the past few weeks other than like refreshing Google News for reviews of your game? <laughs> I also had a wedding. <laughs> really? But no funerals. Okay. Uh, tis the season, I guess, for that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. There was also a little, a little thing, uh, a, a birthday, an important birthday today, uh, three days ago. Uh, yeah. Lots of fireworks for it. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. guess. Oh, oh, right, yes, of course. It's my mother's birthday. My uh, mom has a 4th uh, of July birthday. Oh, so nice. She always makes jokes about, like, Oh, yeah, you know, like, uh, it's great that everyone got me all these fireworks. <laughs> I'm sure that joke that never nice. gets old. And uh, a couple of earthquakes, I guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How are you guys been handling those? I was in Michigan. <laughs> Good job. Well yeah. avoided. Yeah, you, uh, they weren't too bad in Los Angeles, thankfully, but yeah. it was scary a little bit. Yeah, I was reading up about that on Twitter. Someone posted, I think Teddy posted a thread on, like, how to, like, calm yourself down about earthquakes and, like, you know, learn what you're supposed to do. Um, and there was a, uh, there was one of the things that said, like, don't worry. Uh, like, even though, like, you know, the, the Los Angeles area is, like, due for a big quake, like, this is a fault zone. And fault zones really only get, like, maximum in the... Uh, like, you know, magnitude sixes and sevens earthquakes, unlike the Pacific Northwest, oh, which get, which is in a subduction zone and could get the really big one. Yeah. <laughs> like, no! You can do all of the earthquake preparedness you want, but when the Wanda Fuca plate snaps, it's all over. Like, for the entire country, basically. <laughs> Maybe not that bad, but it's going to be real bad when the Wanda Fuca plate snaps. Uh, so. That's the fire. Yeah. Uh, I don't actually know much details about like what is supposed to be real bad. I know there is a ring of fire, and I assume that has to do with volcanoes. Yeah, that's it's like I think the I took I took actually a geography class when I was going to school in Seattle, and uh, my uh, my teacher was uh, an insane person. He was like, "This class is going to be about all the ways the Earth is trying to kill you, particularly here." <laughs> Um, there's, so there's, there's all of that, uh, over in, in your neck of the woods and over here on the East coast, uh, apparently there is a volcanic island off the coast of Africa. And if that volcano erupts badly enough, part of that island will just slide into the ocean and the resulting waves will cascade across the entire ocean and make it to the East coast. And by the time they make it here, there'll be like 100 foot waves. Uh, so we'll How just was that be... a movie? Right? I heard about that and really considered not moving out here. Um, 
but here I am. <laughs> yeah, so. that does seem like prime territory for like a Roland Emmerich movie. What, like the monkey is literally going to kick an island into the ocean, and <laughs> the splash is going to like that's it could travel across the entire goddamn ocean. Yeah. Yep. It, in the Roland Emmerich movie, the like the ocean, the the island wouldn't like sink. It would just like they'd be like surfing on it, and someone <laughs> among the inhabitants would have to find a way to like stop the wave before it gets to the coast. Right. The the, the movie would take place on the island. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or they would just their surfboards would get carried by that wave across the entire ocean. <laughs> so they're on a surfboard <laughs> trying to stop the wave. They've got like walkie talkies. Yeah. Yeah, it would absolutely be called The Wave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Perfect. Roland Emmerich, call us. Yeah. Um, We've got the goods. We will We will sell you this idea real cheap. Yeah. Um. So, I guess, like, speaking of incessantly refreshing Google News, how has been the, the last month of, like, now you've released the game? <laughs> How do you feel? You know. <laughs> uh, weird. Good. Sure is a game that's out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's uh, it, It's good. Reception's been incredible. Um, and we've just been working on patches and stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's been a long time, and it's cool to have it finally out in the wild, and like people are like actually playing it. It's so weird to like go online and like see like the like see so it running on someone else's computer. <laughs> yeah. You know, did someone like break into the office and take one of the machines? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, how long is it? You guys have been working on this? Like seven years, six years? Kind of depends on like where you consider the official start, but yeah, like seven ish. Maybe nice. seven. That's that's cool. C- super congratulations, by the way. Like, Thank that's you. that's like Thank a super you. big deal and yeah. very exciting. And I love it when uh, when people from USC do cool things. I feel, yeah, exactly. I feel like super proud. Even though I have like literally zero to do with this game, I feel like very proud of it, regardless, <laughs> because it's a USC thing. Also. <laughs> Also, congratulations for having the sort of game that has review titles like Outer Wilds Changed the Way that I Think About Death, <laughs> which, it, which is an actual real Outer Wilds review that I read the other day. I actually, that was a bit of a doozy. Yeah, I have the Google yeah. page up right now, and I'm looking at that title. I've been looking at that title, so I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. You, I, I know the one you're talking about. That, that, one, like, that one was like really cool. But I'm also like, I, we, I don't know. Alone, have you read that one? Um, uh, no, I haven't had the time yet, unfortunately. I think they like yeah. slightly misunderstood the ending. Um, yeah. But <laughs> and I'm like, oh no! Like, if, I wonder if they would. I wonder if they changed their mind. If they, no, uh, no, it's listen. Death of the author. Any way that it can be legitimately interpreted is a legitimate interpretation, even if you totally didn't mean it that way. Oh yeah, oh, it's less that and more like uh, there's like a literal plot beat where uh, they just like I think they just didn't get one piece of information that kind of recontextualizes something. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, not sure if they would have written that. I think it still works. I think it's still valid on some level because yeah. um, like we did intend that sort of like it is a 
like it is about death in certain ways for sure it's just like the specific way they wrote about it the specific reasoning and i was just like oh no (laughs) (laughs) i hope they don't replay it and discover that one thing right right that's the only thing now i'm just like oh no just like let this just let this be what it is please don't go digging (laughs) (laughs) well it's i yeah I, i read that and i'm like I'm not sure I totally agree with that interpretation, but if that's what you got from it, like, good for you. <laughs> right, right, because you, I mean, yeah, you guys probably, uh, uh, I, I, I'm just imagining you probably, inter- well, you did, you did play the ending? Yes, I think okay. we both finished it, because we yeah. all thought it was, we were going to have to podcast about it three weeks ago, so. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, but I, so I not only played through it, but because I had the extra time, I also watched two different streamers' Let's Plays of it. So oh, I have, wow. like, three full playthrough perspectives on it. Oh, man. Uh, did your uh, did your understanding of, like, the ending change as you uh, watched more the endings again? Uh, you know, I don't know. That's a good question. Um... I think at this point, it's I've seen it enough times that I don't remember what my initial response to it was. Uh, yeah. um, but I, I, I think I've liked it more and more every time I've seen it. Because um, I've, I've actually seen the ending. So in addition to those two full Let's Plays, I also went over to my friend's house and watched them finish the game. So I've seen the ending four times now. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of grown on me a little bit every time. Well, I, actually, real quick, uh, what level of spoilers are we? Oh, this is yeah. So let's uh, let's start with uh, that disclaimer for the audience right now. This is a mystery game, and as I usually say when we play mystery games, uh, if you have not played this game, please play it before listening to the podcast because we are going to spoil the hell out of it. Uh, so if you you know, and this is a good game to go into, I would say without spoilers. With, like, as few spoilers as possible. And so I would say if you like mystery games and or you like any kind of, like, exploration games like Mist or Abduction, you will like this game and you should go play it now. The podcast will be here when you get back. Yes. All right. So now yeah. we are. Yeah, this is, we can this spoil is a whatever no the heck holds we barred spoiler, spoiler yeah. thing that we do here. Oh, boy. So go yeah. for it. Do you remember what you were going to say? Just not at all. Something about, I, I was more, I just wanted to make sure before we like, cause we're like, we're like tiptoeing around, you know, so around the ending. Yeah. Pretty major. Uh, like, you're going to spoil anything. <laughs> yeah. Don't spoil yeah. the ending. The ending is sort of the thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we're pretty lucky that in general press has been relatively good about spoilers and like awesome. most articles have been like very like, Hey, you, you you should play the game if you like this because you know if you keep on reading you'll lose some of the magic of it just being spoiled some of this. So uh, yeah, and for sure it is like because it's so much about exploration, um, it's it's very much a like the wonder of certain moments is like a huge draw. It's not so much about knowing the information as it is about coming upon the information. That's the big deal. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And it's it's interesting because I think it works like in the ideal version, not even knowing the premise is probably the best way to go into it because then you're surprised the first time you hit the end of the loop. Um, yeah. 
<clears throat> but if you have to, like, to, to sell someone on it, saying, like, oh, it's like, you know, a Groundhog's Day mystery game in, in space, like, is is enough, is a small enough spoiler that people can still uh, get it. And if you have to spoil the supernova because they want more detail, like, that's still an okay level of spoiler. Like, it's better if you don't know it, but it's still okay if you know that. That's similar to where we came down in terms of, like, just how, you know, like, marketing and stuff and trailers, like... We were like, all right, we probably we probably have to tell people about the time loop if we ever write about it, but we're gonna like try not to. And then <laughs> yeah. We pretty much we we did end up avoiding the supernova. I think there's like a shot there's like a side shot of the supernova in our final in like our launch trailer, but yeah, if but you I... know what it is, there's no way you'd know what you're looking at. Yeah, and also isn't it in a montage of other deaths? Yeah, yeah. There's like other shit going on. So I yeah. that, I thought we I think we made a good call like not explaining as little as possible with our. Yeah. our materials but you do have to like have a hook obviously like yeah, yeah. Like, the time loop is like okay we'll tell you that yeah it's like why do i want to play this game and it's like well i want to tell you about a lot of cool things but okay i guess i can tell you about this um okay so let's <clears throat> let's rewind a little bit and like do the actual format of our podcast where i start by like uh actually going over what this game is. Uh, so this game is Outer Wilds uh, by Mobius Digital, published by Annapurna. And uh, the premise of the game, if you didn't pick it up from our sort of uh, rambling about it so far, uh, is that you are stuck in a time loop. You are part of a tiny little uh, space exploration um, group from... The, the aliens on this tiny little planet called Timberhearth, it's all very sort of cozy and backwoods and just real charming. Charming as heck. Mm. Uh, and, and you go into space uh, and then to, to like explore and also to find the secrets of the ancient civilization that lived in your solar system. Uh, and as you're exploring space, there's a supernova uh, and everything is destroyed. And then you wake up. And it's like 20 minutes earlier, and no one remembers, at f apparently at first, no one remembers what just happened. So you do it again. And it, so it is a game of exploring the solar system in 20-minute increments um, as you try and uncover the mysteries of this ancient civilization and why this time loop is happening and why the supernova is happening and what's going on. Uh, and you have, you have a few tools along the way. You've got a little rickety, like, wood and metal spaceship. Um, you have your space suit that is patched with duct tape uh, that uh, has a little jetpack on it. Um, you have a little scout that you can launch, which is like a little beacon that uh, can tell you, like, how stable the ground is, and it provides light, uh, and it sends you a signal, and you can take pictures with it. Uh, and you have a signal scope, which detects, I guess, sound waves, sound waves in space. Uh, the cute, the cute <laughs> conceit, yeah. The I cute, just don't think about that one too hard. Yeah. Uh, the cute conceit is that, uh, because it's so, like, cozy and down home, is that each of your fellow astronauts from this space agency have an instrument, and they're on one of the other planets in the solar system, and if you turn your signal scope to space, you can hear them playing their instruments uh, in the distance and go, go find them. Uh, and it's super cute because there's like one with a banjo and one with a little pipe and one with a harmonica and some and a guy who's just whistling on the moon, <laughs> like you do. 
Uh, and there are, I'm going to say, I, I, you know, I, tr I was going to count them up yesterday, and I didn't. Six planets? <laughs> Five planets? Depends on what you consider a planet. <laughs> do, and if you also, I guess, if you count the twins as one or two. Yeah. Uh, yep. So let's let's see if I can remember them all. So, so from the sun, there's the the hourglass twins, which are two uh, rocky planets, uh, and one of them has a giant amount of like sand or ash on it, uh, and it uh, the gravity is such that it like a giant column of sand pulls from one planet to the other. So one planet is emptying of sand while the other one is filling up. And then supposedly over time it reverses, but in your 20-minute cycle you only get to see uh, one end of that pull. Um, then there is Giant's Deep, which is a big uh, sort of gas giant type planet, but with a liquid center. Uh, if you go beneath the clouds, it's covered in storms. There's giant twisters that pick up islands and fling them around. Uh, then is Timber Hearth, which is your own planet, which has trees and is just nice and adorable, and you can breathe there without a spacesuit. It's very homey. Uh, then is Brittle Hollow, uh, which is a planet built around a black hole in the center, which is so slowly collapsing into that black hole over the uh, course of the, the time loop. Uh, it also has a moon that throws, like, lava meteors onto it, so the surface is not exactly super stable either. Uh, and then, is it just is it just Dark Bramble that's the remaining planet? Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, and then, then there's Dark Bramble, which, fuck Dark Bramble. What's <laughs> um, uh, <well>, you? <laughs> yeah. So Dark Bramble is uh, used to be a planet, and then a seed was dropped there and, like, exploded the planet. So it's full of these, like, giant thorny vines, and it's got a big knot in the center that you can enter that's full of fog and giant anglerfish. Uh, and, yeah, as, as, as the text of the ending of the game puts it, of all the creatures that will perish in the death of our universe, we will miss the anglerfish the least. <laughs> yeah. That is like my favorite line, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's that's a that's a thing. Um, the the game opens with you're on your planet. There's like a tutorial sequence uh, where you wander around the planet talking to uh, you know other members of your species and about your imminent launch. Uh, and there's a bunch of, like, mini versions of the things, the tasks you have to do to explore uh, located on the planet. So, like, how to take pictures, how to use your camera to see ghost matter, which is, like, this invisible, uh, I don't know, force substance that uh, that kills you if you interact with it for more than just, like, a moment. Um, and how to navigate in zero G and all the important things you'll need. It's mostly optional though, the, the tutorials, I, you can skip it. And I did see some people skip parts of it and I went like, well, you're going to die in space pretty quick. Yeah. That's going to be a bad time. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Uh, and yeah. So then there's a few other places, non-planet places that you can go like your moon, uh, and there's a there's a, a space station orbiting the sun that's like a power station. There's the interloper, the comet. Yes, there's a there's a comet. 
You can, I'm told, I have not actually seen anyone do this, but I'm told that if you wait long enough, you can actually land on the moon to Brittle Hollow. Uh, and there's like one yeah. thing to get there. Oh. I did not even consider doing that. <laughs> yeah, well, the moon is made of lava, so. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to try um, Yeah, there's that. Um, that's basically all the things that you can actively land on. I guess there's the white hole station. Um, there's a, oh, and the, the cannon. So there's a, there's a, near the edge of the, the solar system, there's a white hole station where if you accidentally fall into the black hole in the middle of Brittle Hollow, you pop out at this white hole, and then there's a teleporter to take you back. Very handily placed. Uh, and there is, there is a six or seven planet, depending on how you count, uh, that uh, is rumored to exist for oh, the whole game, yes. but that you don't get to see until very late. Uh, the quantum moon? Oh no, the sorry, the the eye. Yeah. Yes, there is a there is a location. There's so there's also a quantum moon, which is a moon that orbits each of the planets sometimes but sometimes it's completely gone. And when it's gone, it goes to the sixth location. Um, and the part of the mystery of the game is figuring out what that is and where that is. Uh, and you do that in part by interpreting the Nomai text uh, that you find throughout the solar system. So the Nomai text tells you about the ancient race of the Nomai, which are very sort of science-minded people who came here in search of some kind of signal from something called the Eye of the Universe, that they weren't sure what it was, but the signal seemed to be older than the universe, which seems impossible. So they were very excited, uh, but they came here, and then their ship got super destroyed by the Dark Bramble. It got caught and eaten by this, like, terror planet. Uh, and two of their three uh, escape pods managed to get out and landed on uh, Ember Twin, one of the two, um, one of the two twin, hourglass twin planets, uh, and Brittle Hollow. And they spent their time, like, rebuilding what they could of their little civilization and still trying to find the eye. In the process, they found the quantum moon and how to get onto it. Uh, the quantum moon, it turns out, super cool place. We can get to that later. Um and they, so they, they couldn't find the eye. They built some detectors for the eye of the universe, but the signal seems to, seemed to have stopped. So the, they were like, well, we know it's roughly within like this particular radius from where we landed. So uh, maybe we can just do a visual search. We can like go out in all directions to that radius and look for it. And if we see it visually, then, you know, great, we'll have found it. Uh, but unfortunately, like, as you might imagine, that would take a really, really long time. So they developed this idea. They they had sort of coincidentally discovered time travel uh, a little bit, just like a second of time travel. So they developed this plan to try and boost their time travel to a 22-minute interval so that they could send the probe out to find the eye in a random direction and then rewind 22 minutes and try again. And if you can rewind time, you can just do this infinitely and it will theoretically take you 22 minutes to find the eye, which is great. 
only problem is they needed a power source, uh, and the only power source they could think of that would be big enough would be exploding the sun, uh, which is fine because if you have time travel, you can just then, once you've exploded the sun, you can, A, explode it as many times as you need, and B, rewind back to a time when it was unexploded after you're finished, and then you don't, you haven't exploded the sun and destroyed everything in the solar system. Uh, but the problem was they couldn't get it to work. They couldn't get the sun-exploding technology to do what they wanted it to, uh, and they had to stop. Uh, and then meanwhile, they were like, well, I guess while we try and think of a plan B, let's go uh, explore this comet that just came into the solar system. Uh, but it turned out the comet was basically a bomb and instantly killed everyone in the solar system. <laughs> Sucks to be the Nomai. Yeah, famous last words. Let's go explore that comet, guys. To be fair, the impression I got was that it would have killed them even if they hadn't gone to explore it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, all this technology is sitting, like, ready and primed for, like, hundreds of thousands of years. Uh, and then the end of the universe just arrives, and the sun supernovas on its own. Uh, and that power influx triggers the time loop. So there you are, about to go on your very first adventure, and look, all of a sudden, there's, like, this thing running, and it's got coordinates to the eye of the universe. So then then triggers the end game sequence where you have to, like, figure out how to get out of this time loop. And you do it by taking the power source from the time loop, uh, putting it into the old Nomai ship, warping yourself to the coordinates of the eye of the universe, uh, and then restarting a new universe with your um, with your buddies um, sort of as a I guess as a as a death song in a way it's sort of a like you know cycles of life and death and rebirth kind of thing and every time I watch it I sort of it I change a little bit how I feel but as I say like I think it's been growing on me over time um, it, it's a little bit terrifying, the ending, but it's also, like, pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, so that's the that's the basics. Now we can get into, like, more of the specifics. It's a pretty good summary, honestly. Yeah, did I, did I <laughs> leave out, you got it. <laughs> did I yeah, leave out was, anything big? That was really impressive, Kyla. <laughs> oh, I've seen it th played through three times. I guess that's true, yeah. Month. So... Um, yeah, did I did I miss any like big points? No, I think that was that's it. Like, man, it's more like go make sure they got it right on the wiki. Like, <laughs> uh, um, no, that's, that's that's all right. Yeah, so it's it's got some real cool like physicsy stuff. I've I've had like by the way, like as I've been talking about that, we're gonna talk to you guys. People have been like giving me questions to ask you and like things to say for to you guys. Um. So a couple of my friends who are uh, – one of them is, like, really into physics and, like, specifically astrophysics stuff, uh, and the other one is, like, a huge fan of MIST and asked me to pass on that, like, if they were, like, wanted to make a game together as, like, a married couple, then, like, this would have been the game they tried to make. <laughs> They're like, we would have made a worse version of this. So, like, <laughs> thank you for making this game for us. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's a super, 
it's a super fascinating game. It is definitely the most explory game, like explory exploration game that I've ever had. Because a lot of games you like go around and you explore and it sort of tells you things. It's like, great, you got to this area. Now we're going to bubble it in on the map and like fill you in on everything. But in this game, you very much have to pay attention to your surroundings uh, and like be aware of and like make conclusions about the things you're seeing and try to not like be looking in the wrong place at the wrong time and miss something important. There's a lot of connecting of the dots. And I was so thankful that the ship's log existed and connected some of those dots for me. Because, uh, yeah, I feel like I did everything in the wrong order. <laughs> it's just like reaching reaching conclusions without understanding what the conclusion was, and then filling in the blanks later and having the like, boop, light bulb. It's nice. Yeah, a lot of light bulb moments. So that actually gives me, there were a couple questions related to that that I wanted to ask. One is about the log specifically. Um, was the log planned from the big, so the log is the only element that like, <laughs> kind of breaks the diegetic time loop thing, right? Because it stays outside the time loop. We so technically that... explain that. Do you? Um, yep. I mean, whether or not it's a good explanation is like super open for debate, but uh, there is a line of dialogue in the game that explains what's going on there. Yeah. What is what is that line? Maybe I missed it. Uh, so after, when you exit the museum, right after like the statue sequence in the museum, for the, when you like get hooked into the time loop for the first time, when you go outside and you're going back to the ship with the launch codes, you get stopped by Hal, who's, like, carving a piece of wood. And I'm not sure which dialogue branch it's on, but there's something you can, you can like, ask them about the statue. And they mentioned that on the way, on, when they were hauling it back from Giant's Deep and they dropped it and, like, a chunk fell off. And that chunk was used um, because they realized, oh, this thing, this has, like, informational storage capacity. They used it sort of as the hard drive for your ship computer. Oh. oh, nice. I did not get that dialogue. So technically, your ship computer runs on a chunk of the same statue that you are hooked into. Whether exactly. that, which, you know, at this point, we just wave our hands, right? Yeah, no, uh, like, that's, that's look, plenty of explanation. <laughs> if you look under your computer, you can actually see uh, the, the, the piece. Nice. Uh, it's not it's not a piece of the statue. It's like a Nomai power cable, which, like, yeah. implies the Harthians, like, figured out, like, they're like, how to like wire know my shit together? I don't know. This, it raises a lot of questions, honestly. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they, they've clearly been working with know my tech for a yeah. while because you have yeah. that little like gravity stabilizer thing on your ship, and your scout technically has a warp core. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> the warp cores have drastically reduced the number of scouts lost to space. <laughs> nice. Um, sure have. The uh, so was the log like planned from the beginning, or was it playtesting that you had to <laughs> that you realized you had to give users uh, a way of keeping track of things? You know the uh, you know the map mode in the ship log. Yes, that was planned from the beginning. Um, and we the map mode that I that I used once and then switched into rumor mode and then never left rumor mode. Yeah, that's most people's experience. Yep. Uh. Yeah, originally we were going to do the map, the version where it just tells, shows you, because we always wanted to mode something in the game. We didn't want people to have to take paper notes. Yeah. Um, and so it was originally just like, okay, we're just going to like record everything they find and let them know if they're still missing stuff and sort of like keep track of which things have been rumored. But we originally weren't going to sort of like draw the lines between them or sort them in that particular way. Um, 
And then we had a play test where like people just didn't get sort of the flow of the game. Like they just clearly just didn't understand that they were supposed to be treating these as clues. Um, and it was, this was like a year ago. I mean, more, a little more than a year. It was like, like, I don't know, like March, 2018, maybe. Mm. And yeah, we were just like, well, we, we gotta, we gotta change the ship log. Um, and what we ended up doing was more or less taking our, just showing players our design documents. Cause that sort of <laughs> low chart approach is like, like I, we have a bunch of like, uh, Google drawings sort of on the drive that are, that look just like the, uh, the ship, the rumor mode, where it's like, you know, actually drawing arrows between things. That's sort of how we thought about it ourselves. And I remember, I don't know, I was really worried it was going to be too much, like too handholding, make it feel too much like, oh, I'm just following the quest log, which was always supposed to be sort of what Outer Wilds was trying to get away from. But yeah. I don't know, it seems like it was not at all too handholding. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, that's, that's the thing I, I did actually kind of notice is that it's, the pacing of this game is very unusual compared to a lot of games, and I think you guys took a really big risk with it, because after the initial tutorial area, you can do literally anything, and there aren't really any goals. Like, the the guy in the front does give you, like, a list of things that you can try. Um, like, hey, are you going to go to the moon, or are you going to go, like read know my writing or are you going to go you know like somewhere no one's ever been before or are you going to yeah. go find your friends etc but like there's no goal and that can be really intimidating for some people that piece of text actually you're talking about um from uh was it hornfeld's uh yeah they didn't they didn't originally say that we actually changed their their text to like give you a list of possible goals to, to make it, to try to make it clear to people that like, Hey, this is a game where you have to like make your own goal. We're not going to just tell you what to do. Um, Cause you're right. Like, yeah, a lot of people have a hard time making that leap of like, Oh my God, I, I just need to go. Like, what am I supposed to do? Um, yeah. And it was even worse before we, before we changed their text to sort of like, try to like at least let you know what kind of game it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so what did everybody else, like, choose to do slash do first? So for people's paths. I went into space, and I headed straight for the first planet I saw, which was Dark Bramble. Yeah. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Coming out swinging. Oh, that was uh, interesting. <laughs> There's so, so I love the tutorial area, by the way, with the, the it's like a little museum. There's a little museum of, like, all the sorts of things that you're going to be encountering in space. And one of them is the angler fish from Dark Bramble. And I saw that thing in a little tank and I was like, well, that is definitely going to eat me in space at some point. <laughs> and it absolutely does. <laughs> Man, that's uh, well, you know, the bright side, if you go there first, then every other planet seems like cozy and safe in yeah. comparison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because that, I did find like a lot of the places, space is a scary place. Um, maybe it's just like yeah. thinking about the vastness of it and, or the fact that you like could easily die. But even in real life, space is kind of conceptually scary. And yeah, you guys really got across the feeling of like, it's scary to be out in space. <laughs> that was very much one of our design goals was <laughs> to, uh, to like yeah it's like you shouldn't be out there uh, because nope. that's that's where the tension of the game comes from it's sort of yeah. like you shouldn't be out there but curiosity is going to drive you to still go out there and explore and discover more and it's like despite 
the fact that you shouldn't be, you will, because it's worth it. Yeah. It's very much missed if, if like, the world didn't want you to be solving these puzzles or pieces of the narrative. <laughs> That's a good way of describing it. Uh, so, yeah, Kelso, I skipped oh. you. What did you oh, do? Oh, no. Uh, I am the timid boy, and I, the first thing I did was I just really, ex- really thoroughly explored Timberheart. <laughs> and so I found, like, totally the mines and the yeah. quantum grove. And then I decided, I guess I gotta get out there. So then I went to Addle Rock. And <laughs> Wait, <laughs> baby steps are great. <laughs> yeah. Incremental. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the the way that I play games in general is I will go to a place and I will do everything I think I can do in that place and then I will move on. Um, I will say one of my favorite experiences though is getting on a new planet and not knowing what's going to kill you. And then <laughs> final, like just immediately, not immediately, but eventually figuring it out by getting killed by it. I think my yep. my favorite experience was on Giant's Deep. And I was just like, I'm on a landmass, looking around the landmass, now I'm in orbit. Now I'm dead. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, that's like, that's probably like the safest way. I also normally play games like that, which is like, um, you know, do do go to a place, do all the things at that place, uh, mm-hmm. and then uh, go, you know, to the next place. That is not how I played this game. This game made me feel like I had ADHD because I would go somewhere and I'd be like, okay, this is the thing I'm doing, but what's that over there? Maybe <laughs> I should do that first. And then I walk in that direction. I'm like, oh, but no, there's another thing over here. Wait, where did I come in the first time? And then I would just like I think the game took me quite a bit longer than it's t- than it takes most people at least compared to the playthroughs I've seen because I just got so distracted I would never finish anything and I would always be missing like the last vital piece of information that I needed from that area. <laughs> um, I got there eventually. Uh, it this game it really really helps to have someone to talk it over with. Um, eventually, uh, like my friend, uh, Mike, who is, uh, alone and Alex know is also one of our USC folks, uh, was playing it at the same time. So like every day at work, like first thing when he came in, we'd sort of like swap notes, like, okay, did you, did you get to the sun station yet? It's like, oh no, but like, I did figure out how we're supposed to get into like the, uh, you know, the quantum towers. Like, oh really? What did you do to do this? And so that, that helps a lot. That's cool. Um, but yeah, so I think, what did I do first? I went to, I think probably Brittle Hollow first. Uh, I may have gone to like two or three places on my very first journey. Um, the, the first time, the very first loop, I got all the way to the supernova and then I didn't get to the supernova again for like at least several hours of gameplay. It was like wow. a good, a good like at least several dozen loops um, because I just kept dying. I, speaking of the supernova, am I was I alone in my compulsion to when the supernova occurred, uh, try to jump into it. I did that several times. I did that as often as I could. <laughs> I didn't. I did jump. that as well. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> I didn't jump into it, but if I was in a place where I could do so, I often got the urge to like go and sit and watch it um, because I, it's just it's kind of pretty in a yeah. in a morbid sort of way. <laughs> the music that plays so there's music that plays like one minute before the end, and it is just the saddest goddamn thing. 
like a plus on your uh, like music and sound folks, by the way. Andrew Prollo. Um, good good on shit. Andrew. Yeah. Um, I like I like by the end of it, like I would hear that music and I'd like feel just just so sad uh, every time I heard it. And then, and then when you like get to the end sequence and you pull out the power core, like it starts playing a version of that song and it's like, oh shit, this is it. This is the end. I just got really nervous because I, when, yes, I, when that, that happened, I was like, D- has it been 20 minutes? Did I fuck it up? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, that's like, uh, yeah, no, it, it's a, it kind of works out either way, but uh, we definitely, because uh, we wanted to reuse that theme. Mm-hmm. again you know it's sort of like oh man it's the final sequence but in retrospect it's like oh yeah of course people are just gonna immediately think they've run out of time it, it and was metaphorically different. you have run out of time yeah it, it, yeah, was, yeah. it was different it was like, enough that i didn't that i eventually realized like oh wait no like there's okay. like, there's some other stuff in there that i did pick up on right yeah and realize Once the secondary lines but come in it's in retrospect I wish I we we had like I don't know maybe like added a few more things to obviously yeah. differentiate it, but it seems to be fine for the Yeah, it, it was the it was just the immediate Pavlovian response. Oh yeah, <laughs> sure that theme. I'll I'll know. Yeah, yeah. There was one streamer that I watched where it took him a like incredibly long time to connect that music to the cycle is ending, and I'm not sure why because it's like a very clear cue. Uh, and everyone else I've seen play, like, got it pretty quickly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I, I do love that, that music piece. Um, there was something else I was going to say, like, a few bits back as we started talking about the music. But whatever, it'll come back to me at some point. Yeah. Um, the, so, I have a, I have a list here. And this is, I guess, as good a time as it uh, as any for it. Uh, okay, stupidest way you died. Go. Uh, okay, stupidest way I died. Um, Not bringing my suit. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably number one for like like at least up there for me is like getting out to repair my ship in space without putting my suit on first. Oh man, the suit was like. <laughs> immediate go-to. I would I would get to the ship, I would put on the suit, I would go. And I After never took that, the suit off. Yeah. Um the the dumbest way that I died was um I don't remember which shuttle station it was at, but it was at I guess probably uh Ember Ember Twin. And I was like, oh what what does all this do? Like I got onto the shuttle. What do these buttons do? Launched myself into the sun immediately. <laughs> <laughs> oh so, launched into the sun from gravity cannon is good. I don't yeah. have that. I yeah. don't have that on my list. Um, let's see. I have uh, autopilot into the sun. I've done that too, uh, as well. which is yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That, that's. A, I guess that's a common enough one that you guys put in a dialogue uh, thing acknowledging <laughs> it. Oh yeah. <laughs> was that was that because people kept doing it, or you just like realized that you couldn't code around it? Oh, like like the fact that the autopilot does that? No, the fact that the guy says to you, oh, yeah. like, That's... oh yeah, sorry, we haven't fixed your autopilot. <laughs> the the, uh, the autopilots worked like that since forever, so I think just after seeing so many playtests, yeah, it just seemed like yeah. a good joke. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I I feel like 
this is not a dumb way that I died, but just a dumb way that I uh, played the game. <laughs> I must have missed just any acknowledgement of the autopilot, and I played for at least a couple hours without knowing the autopilot was there. Things got significantly easier for me once I realized that that was a thing <laughs> I could do. I, I I bounced off a whole lot of planets and died that way for the first couple hours. Yeah, uh. yeah. No, the the uh, the the text about like the autopilot killing you is easy to miss because you have to, after it's like killed you by throwing you into the sun, you oh. have to go back and talk to the engineer. Uh, that's he's the guy like at the campfire with you <laughs> yeah. in the starting area. Um, and if you talk to him again, he'll he'll like tell you stuff about ghost energy and he'll tell you stuff about the autopilot. Um, he's like, it's fine. Just don't put the thing that like you want to get to on the other side of the sun from you, and yeah. you'll be fine. Yeah. Easy peasy. Um, which, easier said than done. There are a lot of times where you think the autopilot's not going to kill you, uh, and you didn't you didn't factor in the fact that the sun has a lot of gravity, um, mm -hmm. and it pulls. Yes, uh, it's trying its best. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the autopilot's doing the best it can. Right? Yeah, it doesn't know. Um, Let's Did see, any of you uh, die before uh, getting the launch codes? Yep. <laughs> oh, I don't think I did. Uh, yes, uh, I jumped into the geyser to see what would happen. <laughs> and it sprayed me up in the air, which was great. Uh, and then the landing was not so great. <laughs> because, you know, it's a video game, and <laughs> I wanted to see what would happen. Um, yeah, you get a special, like, you died message. Do, do you guys actually run credits? I don't remember. Yep. Yeah. Because yep. yeah. I know you run credits if you die uh, during the end sequence without getting the core to the thing mm -hmm. in time. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Kelso, you you didn't notice there was an autopilot. I played the entire game not noticing that you can tag things uh, in the ship's log and yeah, then it will show common. you where they are. Oh. Yep. So that... I in the final loop, I had to get all the way to the escape pod in order to find the vessel again. Yeah. Yep. Which is a big time sink. I and... wish we had a better way. Uh, so so that entire feature exists for that sequence. Like, that is the reason we added it to the game. I mean, it's convenient for other reasons, but, like, that's really the reason it's there. And there's just not a great way to, like, prompt people. Yeah. Unless you got, like, got used to using it beforehand. Exactly. Like, Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that I, I learned in the first Let's Play I watch, someone did that, and I'm like, what? <laughs> what? And it's it's not like there isn't a big UI thing that pops up every time you're moused over the thing that right. says, like, show in HUD, right? <laughs> like, that that's clearly there, so. I don't know, maybe we should, like, rename it or make it flash until you use it or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, so other things I did, um, fell off the launch pad, uh, like was, was looking at stuff like around my ship <laughs> and just fell off the launch pad, uh, killed by launch elevator. Yeah. That was a thing. Uh, nice. Brushed by favorites. it or pinched by it or something. I forget exactly, but I, yeah, I did get killed by the elevator up to the ship. Um, uh, Mike and Sam had a good one, which was, uh, they were, like, trying to match velocity with, um, Brittle Hollow and, like, in orbit around it, and then just got sideswiped by the moon. 
Like, <laughs> just barreled into them. Uh, I my favorite one for me probably like uh, I was I was at the statue island um, and waiting to get picked up so I could float over to that inaccessible area. And I'm like, why isn't there a storm coming? Like it's been forever. So I went out the door to like wait on the beach so I could watch for the storm. Uh, and then a storm dropped another island onto me. Whoa, <laughs> that's a good one. Like, like uh, the the frozen jellyfish island right to the face. Oh boy. <laughs> so that was. I have, fun. I have another good one. I I was about to finish the game. And I was, had my, like, core and was going to brambles. Mm-hmm. And I, like, went past the anglerfish. But I was going, like, slow, and I was like, I'm past them. And I just boosted just a little bit and got eaten. Oh. oh. God, those anglerfish, though. That is the tensest goddamn thing yes and i know you guys did this on purpose because there's a there's a part where you go through one of them and literally there is an angler fish right outside the entrance and the only thing you can do is float between the teeth and the dongle and like it even though i like have done it a bunch of times it still tenses goddamn hell Mm -hmm. every time (laughs) That's the other thing about Dark Bramble. I didn't immediately realize you could take your ship in there. So I would land my ship on one of the platforms outside of it and just float through Dark Bramble just with my spacesuit. And I ran out of error at least at least twice uh, before I realized that I could take my ship in there. Um, that was fun. My, my favorite like strategy that I like hadn't thought of is you can take your ship if you if you've if there's a large enough hole opened up you can totally take your ship down into brittle hollow uh, and fly it very carefully around the black hole and like land in the hanging city oh. which I watched several streamers do which I like had not even occurred to me because it's such a tight space in there um, but yeah. So, like, I assume that that is the reason for the pillars around the quantum tower there, so you don't just fly your ship into the quantum tower. It sure is. <laughs> um, God, we, we, we had to do so many, like, we had a play test. Um, people just kept getting into the quantum tower, like, by other methods, and we just kept adding, like, like material to that tower. There's, like kind of the skirt that's lower on one side because people found this really clever place on the rocks by the tractor beam they could just jump from. So like, oh my god, like <laughs> just like piece by piece patching like the holes. Um, there's a way people will f- figure it out. You you can still get to the quantum tower before it falls if you do this really difficult slingshot around the core. Nice. Um, it's really, really tight. It might even be harder than landing on the sun station manually. Yeah. Which I have seen from the wikis is a thing that is possible, landing on the sun station. But I would not try it myself. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought about trying it and did not get around to it. It just wasn't worth it. But uh, Yeah, I like I'll... pursued it the first time, I think, and like realized that it's faster than the ship. And then I'm like, uh, no, they're not going to make me do something that hard. There's got to be a, a cleverer way <laughs> to get there. Yeah. Um. And there is, which, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we tried to avoid things that were, like, 
like we wanted to keep really cool, really hard flying and jetpacking around as an option, but we we didn't want that to be like you have anything to be required in that sense because that would have except been... apparently the approach to the southern observatory yeah i was just gonna ask about that uh, <laughs> oh wow was that that, that hard huh for you guys that's, that's hard uh, to be fair i think i went a long way around i discovered later watching other people that there's like a slightly faster way that you don't have to jump through like all the pillars all the hanging pillars um but i still um, i still died like at least half a dozen times trying to get up there Oh, wow. Sometimes right at the end too, which is really frustrating. Yeah, I've seen I've seen that that listed as sort of like a bit of a difficulty spike for a lot of people. I don't I don't remember having difficulty with the Southern Observatory, but at the same time, I don't remember how I got in there. <laughs> uh, so that's uh, that's not helpful. Was the the ghost matter the difficult part at the end? Uh that was that was one difficult part, although, I, to be honest, I looked up how to get past it. Um, I was like, there's ghost matter. I, at first, I was like, okay, eventually I'm clearly going to discover some kind of secret somewhere that tells me how I'm supposed to get rid of ghost matter or get, a, you know, get through ghost matter. And I kept going, and there kept not being a secret about it. And then I'm like, well, okay, but then how do I get past the ghost matter there? Uh, and then I looked it up. And it's like, oh, yeah, there's a ledge on the other side, and you have to jump around it. And I'm like, oh, I okay. <laughs> uh, but once I once I knew that, I don't think I ever failed jumping around that. I mostly failed um, jumping, like, between, like, pillars and areas, uh, like, gravity areas, um, and, like, getting sucked into the black hole, uh, or at the very end... Um, there's like a, a kind of a tall climb area. And mm. I think that's actually where I died the most often was trying to get up that climb into the actual entrance. Mm. Um, get, good to get know. Good. Yeah. Get good. Right. Uh, just be better at it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's all you which eventually I was. Uh, but yeah, no, that, that was the, even when I like, even though I didn't die that often on the, the platforming between the like big hanging pillars in the early part, um, I still felt very tense about it the entire time I was doing it. Like I felt like I was going to fall. It's hard with that giant black hole under you to not feel tense about jumping. Yeah. It's a bit of a, the penalty for failure is, is pretty high. Yeah, even though there is the White Hole Station, like, it takes a while to get back through the White Hole Station to, uh, yeah, um, to the, to the place. Um, let's see. Other, other fun, like, hard, the first time that I got to the Sun Station, I also completely whiffed that jump and got sucked into the sun, but I think <laughs> it's because I panicked. Like, I saw it and it just looked so intimidating that I, like, didn't know what to do, so I just, like, jumped without really a plan uh without having actually seen the entrance on the other side uh, oh, yeah. and then and then i like i i died but like when i saw it the next time and that was when uh, i actually so i did a, a thing with my friends where um so i was playing it simultaneously with uh with mike and his wife and we realized like around the end of the game that we were 
basically in the same spot at the same time where we both had like the same three or four things left to do. So we decided to finish the game together. So I went over to their house for the weekend and we all played it together. So the next time the Sun Station Jump came up, Sam did it and it was fine. Um, but yeah, that was a fun way to end the game, by the way, like all of us doing it together. Um, yeah. We we got to the sun station together. We got to the quantum moon together, and then we did the final sequence together. Um, but yes, so that was that was another like huge jump. So I guess part of the reason that the um, the the jumps like feel tough is the the controls take a little getting used to. They can be kind of finicky. Um, so I was curious to you guys, like a lot of that is because of scientific accuracy, like the way that gravity works and pulls you into things, uh, and et cetera, et cetera. So I was curious to you, uh, for you guys, like in your designs of it, how did you treat like scientific accuracy and physics accuracy as like a design priority, you know, relative to just like fun and understanding and so forth? I feel like we're pretty loose and fast with the physics, honestly. Yeah. Uh, because, there's just like so many places where the gravity doesn't really um, like, for example, on most of the planets, like gravity does fall off as you get farther away from the planet. There's always sort of a zone near the surface where it just doesn't, which is not how gravity works, but it just feels a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Or it's not immediately, you're, you know, you don't just like at the top of your jump, you're not floating for ages because the gravity's dropped a half or something. Mm -hmm. um, um, but that being said, uh, because everything in the game is physically actually moving at all times, um, it actually would have been pretty difficult to not do sort of the realistic physics. Yeah. Because of, like, relative motion, right? Because I wish, we see some people who are like, oh, man, I wish they would have, like, you know, made the ship fly more like in other games, kind of like an airplane. And it's sort of like, well, that, that's fair, but, like, like what is what is your rest velocity in that, that case, right? Yeah. Like, do we swap it automatically as you get close to a planet? Like, what about the hourglass twins? <laughs> yeah um and which is why I, like on a, and i and i and i get that like yeah the, the the controls in the game are definitely not the easiest to wrap your head around but um having that sort of like frictionless travel is a bit necessary when you have sort of the different you know areas of the game are like moving very quickly relative to each other in different ways yeah and that can be very dangerous if you don't learn to how to account for it with your oh, ship yeah. Um, but having to like actually think about like oh god I've got to like counteract my velocity like yeah it's not it's not the simplest thing in the world yeah uh, and then it was important to give also some weight to you know the 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 ship and the spacesuit and make it feel like you know like you're there in terms of feeling just mm -hmm. uh, uh, it's like there's something about uh, uh, making sure your controls have uh, the type of responsiveness that makes you feel like it is an actual jetpack and you are in an actual spacesuit and not just, you know, hmm. pressing a button up and I, you're going up. I was going to say, is that why there is a separate, like, boost versus up button? Oh, the, the boost, right, because the jetpack's pretty weak. Um, it's pretty much just an EVA suit. Yeah. Um, and to Lone's point, like, all of this, yeah, yeah like, I'm... In addition to, like, oh, yeah, relative motion, it's important. Um, it was also, like, super intentional. Like, the game is supposed to feel like you were actually an astronaut. Mm -hmm. And so it was really important to sort of 
you know, no friction in space. That's what space is like, right? Space yeah. is not like, you know, it's not like flying an airplane. Uh, the boost, because I think it was back in the alpha, the jetpack was stronger, but you didn't have the boost. And we actually nerfed it um, in the final game so that it feels a little weaker, but a little more like an EVA suit. But then you have sort of this boost to like jump jets around the surface of a planet. And because we didn't want the jetpack to dynamically adjust to the gravity because we wanted each different planet, the gravities to feel kind of unique. Yeah. And it, but, it, it definitely does mm-hmm. for sure. But obviously I'm like giant Steve, if you don't have some sort of booster, it's like you, you just can't jump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The that's because it's interesting because I, I didn't really think about the fact that there's like two different up controls until I was trying to explain the controls to my husband and I'm like, yeah, no, that you know, like the joystick moves you in all direction, and then if you want to go up, uh, then you like you press this button. And he's like, well, why don't you just use up on the joystick? And I'm like, well, you do use up on the joystick, but wait. And I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, no, I guess there are two separate. And it does make some jumps really weird because you have to like press down on the jump button, release the jump button, hit the boost button, like while you're in the air. And like it, once you get used to that, it feels very intuitive. Um, but getting used to it can be actually take quite a bit. Um, did you? Did anyone ever uh, try out the menu option that's called auto boost? No, I didn't see that. Oh. Yeah, I wonder. There's a there's an option in the menu that goes that that's called auto boost, and if you toggle that on, um, the, you don't have to press A to boost the right trigger if you're playing on a gamepad. Mm-hmm. Um, or like the up jetpack control will automatically activate the boost whenever you are on a planet surface. Oh, interesting. And so, and it does make it a lot more, it, it makes it easier to learn in a lot of ways. The reason we didn't default it to that is because people would, would, wouldn't notice because they're not intentionally boosting. They wouldn't really understand what was happening or like, why do I boost here? But I don't boost when I'm like floating in space mm-hmm, and they wouldn't yeah. notice sort of the boost bar on the UI. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. But I, like, never see anyone playing with auto-boost on now, so I'm just like, oh, man, I wish there was, like, a better way to let people know that it exists, because I do think it would make some of the platforming sequences a lot easier for some people. Yeah, yeah that's probably true. Yeah, it does it's remove always... some control. Oh, sorry. No, that's... Go on. I was going to say, it does remove some control as well, so, like, it is... You that's do true. have more, like... But it's the kind of control that's only really useful if you're kind of a power user. Yeah, exactly, which is... Like, like, yeah, like, 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 like once that's the thing. It's like I feel like auto boost is much better for new players, but it's also like super. Con- it, you don't learn what boost is if you're a new player and you're using auto boost. So it's sort of a tricky. There's probably some middle of the road solution that we we we. But I, I don't know. You know we. Yeah. No. I, I mean, option more as I say, I got used to it after a while. It took a while, but once I got used to it, I, it felt natural to use. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, the the reason this came up in discussion was because Huck and I were arguing about um, keyboard versus uh, controller uh, mm-hmm. control schemes. Uh, <laughs> because I feel you guys specifically have a splash screen at the beginning that says, please use a controller for this. We sure do. Um, and But he is, like, adamant that, you know, keyboard is always the best control scheme for everything, and it's what he's used to, and it's what he wants to use. So, like, what were some of the trade-offs... Like, clearly you favor one over the other. What were the difficulties, like, with the keyboard control scheme? Um, I mean, Lone, you probably have more to say on this than I do. The thing that drives me nuts about the keyboard is that uh, 
you can't have, you don't have all of your fingers on the jetpack controls. You sort of get, like the default mapping, you have to move your pinky back and forth between shift and control. Mm-hmm. And then your thumb's sort of on the jump button. I actually think auto boost is almost, like I pretty much need auto boost to play on keyboard. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you allow key remapping on keyboard? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think yeah. we're working on it for controller, aren't we? Uh, yeah, that, I don't know I, when we'll be able to get that in, but yeah. Yeah, at some point, um, in theory. Uh, no, we, we definitely did that. I mean, the main issue is the, the keyboard, of course, is the, that you do, it's a, uh, zero one input, right? You don't have any, uh, of the like finer control you get with a joystick, uh, which makes some of the flying just less, like, Precise. Yeah, it feels more awkward. Yeah, I could see that a lot. There are, I did specifically like actually turn down the dead zone on my controller just so I could have more precision and like do tinier motions, especially because especially around the angler fish, I'm like, I need to like make sure I'm facing exactly the right direction. But uh, the, uh, uh, the advantage of the keyboard, of course, is that there's a lot more buttons, so it's a lot easier to like, have all the controls associated with one button versus we we did have some trouble on the controller getting all the controls in. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to, I, I, the one thing with that is nice about the controller though is that um, the tools, so like the probe and the signal scope, or the, rather the scout and the signal scope, are not things that are mandatory most of the time. And people kind of forget about them. And we actually had them mapped to the D-pad for a while. But people, like, you don't press the D-pad normally. Mm-hmm. Um, and people would, like, never use their tools. And so we, we removed them to back to the sort of the Y button and the right bumper where they were back in the alpha. Um, so that people would sort of press those buttons by accident and be like, oh, right, I have a signal scope. <laughs> and I don't think that really happens on the keyboard as much. Yeah, it- it did definitely take me a while to realize the value of my tools. The signal sto- scope I kind of got because I was like looking for my friends. Um, but mm-hmm. the scout for a long time, I never used the scout and I'm like, what's even like the point of the scout. And then I kind of realized, Oh, like, Oh, right. The scout thing has like a photo mode and I can get around. Like I can see where the ghost matter is and that's important. <laughs> photo mode. And I, it wasn't until, like really like pretty late in the game when I was wandering around, I think like the, the um, space under uh, Ember twin that I realized that the, the scout also has a light that it also provides illumination. And then I used it all the fricking time because there's so many areas where you need more light. The scout is the one thing that I wish we could t- could have somehow tutorialized better. It's just hard when it's an open world game that you can just yeah. go anywhere right out of the gate, and it's like you don't want to dump all of the information on players in the tutorial. Mm-hmm. Um, which but that's like why when you like when you walk up to uh, like surface like areas where you can like throw your scout through a window, we just like bring it up and have a button prompt. We didn't have that originally, um, and players pretty much never used it. <laughs> Yeah, I did notice a few of those like button prompts where it's like, oh, I guess I'm supposed to send the scout here because it's putting giving me a prompt that says I'm supposed to send the scout here. 
Yeah, like uh, a lot of those, like some of those are like it's really useful to throw the scout in. Others, it's like, well, it's something you can do, and it at least reminds you that you have this tool available. Yeah. Yes. Um, feel free, by the way, uh, Kelso and Carl, to jump in with your own questions if you have them. Otherwise, you're, I will just keep going down my yeah, list. Yeah, you're the one who's got the list. The very good <laughs> list. You're very good about lists. I take notes when we play games. You're kind of checking out my questions. Oh, good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you pretty much, whenever you have a list, you always really are thorough and cover anything that I would have asked anyway. So, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so I guess uh, the next thing on my list of questions is, um, are the, like, what would you say... <laughs> was like the the biggest sort of change in the character or nature of the game since it was just like a student prototype. Ooh. Like I assume it was not a hundred percent just polished things. No. Um wait, sorry, so you say that it, the biggest change in terms of like just the overall feel of the game, the tone of the game, your approach to the game, like any old overall like biggest changes to the game like versus like the finished product as it is now versus like the quote unquote finished thesis. Yeah. I mean, my mind, you probably have thoughts on this too, but for me, it's probably the tone of the Nomai, the ancient race. Oh, yeah. Uh, because, because like in the alpha, like we did have a plan for like, not, not saying we like had everything figured out far from it, but like we did have sort of this idea, the structure of like, okay, you're like, you know, go to the escape pod, it'll lead you to the city, you'll learn this thing, the clue that'll, you know, like the forming, like we call them curiosities, the big mysteries, like we knew the vessel would be in Dark Bramble, we knew the time loop device, the quantum moon, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and we definitely like figured out more answers to sort of like, okay, here's what this clue is going to be later on, but sort of the overall structure and sort of the tone of the game of like, all the stars are dying and sort of what the ending was going to be was at least conceptually there, but the Nomai were pretty rough and like, it was like they were, they were an idea. They weren't, they didn't have a tone. They didn't have characters. Mm -hmm. um, Cause the Harthians, even in the alpha, they still like their tone evolved a lot, but it was still like the basis of it was still there. There, you still have that character, you know, kind of making jokes about that. Your ship's going to fall apart. Mm -hmm. um, but the Nomai were just, uh, it was all temp text and it was just, um, just really, really vague kind of things like, oh yeah, there's a tornado and it, it goes the other direction that we send you to the cold. <laughs> like, there was, there were no, no, there weren't, there wasn't like this person being like, I wanted to make a model. Because, yeah, I really also, I really wanted to make a model. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's a lot of, uh, Kelsey, um, our writer, mm -hmm. uh, she, uh, brought a lot to sort of the kind of brought life to the Nomai kind of conceptually and the, it was sort of like Lo and myself and her kind of like in these story meetings, kind of hashing out sort of their culture and sort of really fleshing out from the, like the alpha was like an idea of like, okay, like conceptually these people shipwrecked in the solar system and sort of like they did this and this and this. But then, you know, obviously for the final game, we went in and had to come up with like, okay, like these characters were here, they were doing this. Here's sort of like this miniature, this sort of like sub story you're going to experience to learn this clue. Um, that is, that that. is super cool because, like, they absolutely do c come across as, like, you get to know individuals among the group and, like, you get a real strong sense of them. Um, so that's interesting that that was, like, part of that process. I really liked the characterization of the Nobi because I feel like it, it's so common in science fiction that you have, like, here's your 
extremely scientifically oriented race and they are all about getting that data and interpreting that data and they're just Vulcans and they have like no uh, no like emotions or uh, empathy or anything like that but yeah it was I, I they were cute they were just so cute they, all the time they were nerds they were like total <laughs> nerds they were space nerds and it's great yeah I like um, it a lot although I did I did point out to friends I'm like Okay, they're like, man, the Nomai are apparently an entire race of nerds. And I'm like, to be fair, the only group of Nomai that we encounter are the clan that, like, heard a cool signal and immediately haired off into the mix with no preparation. <laughs> so it, maybe it's like a biased sample. Oh my god, now I just want to, like, thing. oh, like like the Nomai reunions. It's like, that's, yeah, that's the nerd group. And yeah, everyone yeah. else is like, oh my god, guys, like... <laughs> yeah. uh. Like, you have the jocks who just go around the universe to play, like, crazy uh, uh, space sports around uh, different <laughs> yeah. solar systems and different gravity. The thrill seekers that are, like, coasting off of the supernovas as the universe dies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, like, yeah, no, it was. All, they're all adventurously minded, but this group is, like, in particular. <laughs> Yeah, there. No, that was a lot of. I, I feel like original. Like when we were first starting to flesh them out, like they were still pretty. Again, correct me if I'm wrong, Lowen. Like it's been a while. Um, but I feel like the first pieces of text we did, like in the new, like as we were trying to figure out their style, it was sort of like very dry and Vulcanish because we were just so focused on delivering these clues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then we, it was like, oh my god, we have to do something. I think Kelsey was. What did she? She's like, we got to do dad jokes. Like, yep. <laughs> Alien dad jokes was, like, definitely a thing. Um, and we sort of, we were like, okay, well, like, they need to be, like, really excited. Well, even later on, like, we would do, we would have, like, a plot thread and, like, the clues wouldn't be communicated clearly enough and, like, players would, like, not be super interested. And I feel like every time the solution was just, like, let's just make the Nomai really goddamn excited about this. Yeah. Yeah, that's how you know it's important, is because they care about it, and if you care about them, then you care about the things that they care about, right? Right, and if they're sort of, like, really enthusiastic and genuinely interested, it sort of, some of that kind of bleeds off on the player. When, originally, the first take on um, the, the Harthian village, all of the villagers, and this was, like, way, way, way back, um, the villagers were all sort of, like, these skeptical assholes. They're oh, like, no! They're like, why are you going into space? Like, um... Because we were trying to play it off as sort of like you're 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 different, you know. You're like you're going to go into space and like, but not everyone's into the space program or thinks that's a good idea. Um, and we ended up changing it just because we wanted P, the player to be curious, and it was just way easier if everyone else was also curious, at least on some basic level, mm-hmm. and not trying to sort of like shit on your like wanting to go into space. Yeah, and and that makes it feel like real good when you encounter your friends in space too, because uh, as we as we as mentioned before, space is a very scary place, and so like having a friendly face to come and meet and be like, oh hey, you're my buddy, like you'll help me out, and like I can breathe here and roast marshmallows and like that's it's a good like breather, because you know in terms of if you want a game to not to to be a series of like spikes and valleys. Uh, in terms of like attention curve, which is very hard to do in an open world game where any you know you can go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like having these little patches of peaceful area is is a great way to do that. I liked that a lot. 
And sometimes certain no my spaces felt like that as well, mm -hmm. uh, if they had like fun text. Um, although certain no my spaces were also terrifying. And <laughs> oh my god, that the saddest goddamn like area in the dark bramble where you come across like the group that all suffocated <laughs> to oh, death. No. Like yeah. Jesus, guys. <laughs> we had a uh, one of our artists, um, Emily was did a lot of the sort of dead body placement in the game yeah yeah um and she's just, like hugging like, each other and well, yeah well that was yeah that was her that she was like concerningly good at good at it it was just like oh my god this is so tragic yeah or in like some of the city where it's like oh no these no my skeletons are small yeah it's like all the babies in bed yeah yeah yep and and the, yeah. I think the characterization of them was so good. I would find myself like looking at a skeleton and being like, "Who is this? Is this Yarrow? Is this Pot? Like, who is this? Which one is this? Did they write on yeah. the wall, or are they just some other guy?" Like, I would I would look at the skeletons and I would wonder who it was. So that's that was good characterization. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, they, a few of them are sort of like at least when they were placed, we knew who they were. Mm -hmm. um, uh, like flocks in the uh, uh, the the on James Deep in the oh, yeah. statue workshop, mm -hmm. he's like on one of the statue he was working on. He died while working on it. Like there's a few like that where we're yeah. like, yeah. And you guys, you have them like the specifically named ones in the comet because there were the two guys who were exploring the comet when it went off, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the comet ones are all uh, specifically uh, named. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I think the one for me that, like, uh, yeah, Emily, again, did a fantastic job and was heart-wrenching was the school um, mm -hmm. in the Hanging City on Bro Hollow. We're just yeah. arriving in the classroom and they're still there. It's just like, oh, God. <laughs> I remember, because, like, we went so many years without having sort of the dead bodies in the game. And that was something we were supposed, you know, we, like, we had intended that you know, way back when it was always supposed to be like, oh, it's going to be kind of like Pompeii. Yeah. Um, everyone died all at once and you're going to just go around and it's like, wow, there sure is a lot of dead people all over the place. Um, but the game, we just didn't have that for the longest time because we just hadn't gotten around to making that art asset. And it was like over the series, of course, of like a week or so, a lot of those got in the game and our next play test, the tone was just so different. It was like, it was so <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, it's like that. So in terms of like things you're saying, uh, asking change from the uh, alpha tonally, I feel like that was a it was intended originally, but uh, the tone definitely shifted once we got all of the uh, the dead bodies in the game. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's it was very pleasing, by the way. And I know among my friends, I'm not the only person who had this reaction to like see all the bodies everywhere and think to yourself like, man, what is like with like these bodies are all like very in media rest, this is not how people normally die, right? Like, people don't just leave their dead in their living rooms and dining rooms or whatever. Um, like, I wonder if this is, like, a story beat or if this is, like, an oversight by the game developers. Mm -hmm. And, like, to have it then turn out to be a story beat is very satisfying. Yeah. Um, yes. I, I mean, you know, I trusted you guys. I figured it would be, like, intentional. I mean, you but... have for now. But yeah, sometimes yeah. you, you know, sometimes it's a matter of like, we needed to communicate this. We know it doesn't quite make sense. Just go with it. Um, <laughs> like I, the one thing that I'm like a little skeptical about is the timing of it all. 
because like 200 or almost 300,000 years is like too long for most of this stuff to still be around, but also not enough time for the, uh, the Harthians to have evolved from their salamanders. Well, Um, but keep in mind that the sun goes from like a normal star to red giant status in like 20 minutes. That's true. Yeah. Everything is kind of accelerated. It is a miniature solar system. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like definitely a hand wavy explanation because other times we treat time very normally. But you'll yeah. notice we like we we pretty much avoided at all costs using. That's not true. We we ended up having to to say years in a few places, but we, we tried really hard not to like use normal units of time beyond yeah. kind of minutes. Because like, well, what is this re- relative to? Like, what does a year mean? Like, which planet are we on? Temporal yeah. day is longer than its year, um, <laughs> and sort of. Yeah, I guess there's just a lot of stuff like that. Also, it's just like really tricky um, trying to do some of the, some of like, so that, because all the Nomai text is most of where you get the clues in the game from is from the Nomai text. And it's sort of like that question of like, wait, they like died thousands and thousands of years ago. Why is this text like immediately relevant to what I'm doing? Yeah. Um, there's like, there's a piece of text below the escape pod on Ember Twin that's like, oh, go this way and you'll find trees that give you oxygen. And it's like a useful clue. And you're like, oh, cool. And you go down the pathway and you're like, oh, cool, that paid off. There's trees here. And it's like, wait, are they the same trees? Like what? <laughs> yeah. Thousands of years ago, what's going on? So, uh, Speaking of like those, the, that kind of like little logical mysteries, uh, I've had a bunch of people ask now and try and like headcanon, how did the little salamander versions of the Harthians survive or any other bacterial life or whatever in that, for that matter, survive the, um, mm. the ghost matter explosion? <laughs> you guys There's a couple theories? of clues about this one in the game. So my theory is that ghost matter doesn't go underwater and they're an aquatic species. Nice job. Yeah, is right. that it? Yep. We, we used yes! to have <laughs> we used to have a more overt line in the game about that, but we pulled it because it was like too much information in that area. Nice. I like I'm oh, very pleased to have got that because that was totally like just headcanon theory where I'm like, well, I have to come up with some explanation. This seems like vaguely legitimate. <laughs> I feel super justified now. Thank you. Lund, does your thing on Giant's Deep work? Yep. Yeah. Uh, oh, the, because... You can actually test that on Giant's Deep and see uh, uh, that ghost matter uh, does not uh, does not affect you underwater. Oh, if you like try and go through that tunnel when the the island has been dropped. Yep. Nice. Uh, or on the Dark Brimble Island, or yeah, all these places. It's uh, uh, yeah, that was that was definitely a thing that uh, we we had more text about it, but because it felt. You know, just there are other clues that were more important to communicate. We've reduced the number of places where we explain it. So I love that, like, the ghost matter, like, properly gets sort of extinguished when it goes underwater, but the campfire on Gabbro's Island is not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's it's a campfire. It's very important. Mm. Does Uh, it go underwater? I I think someone, I, I think it does. I should look at that. Like, it's not. Like, you put it up high for a reason, um, so I'm sorry if I messed that up. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah the, the little the little specifics. I, I Someone's theory was that, uh, when we were talking this out, someone's theory was that the ghost matter only affects sentient life. Mm. 
not yet fed cool again. Um, I'm, I was like, I'm not sure how that would work physically, but sure. <laughs> I mean, there are other things like, you know, quantum things that are only affected by sentience. I was going to say, in this universe, we clearly established that sort of consciousness um, is in some way special. Yeah. And I mean, like, in the time between, like, if if every living thing was destroyed, like, there were trees before and there are trees now. Right. So, like, is it only animal cells? Was it only, you know, like, there's a lot of imponderables if you get, if you think about it for too long. But, yeah. Um, but that's cool that, that, that actually, like, the water thing is a consistent rule in the, that's, that plays out in the game. It's, uh, it, it was a little thing. I don't know. It's always fun to try to, uh, to implement, uh, uh, details that, like, are, they're mostly for people who will like really dig into it. And uh, a lot of these people have found uh, a lot faster than even we expected. Uh, yeah. Never underestimate uh, crowdsourcing. Yeah, God bless the internet. Yeah, it is incredible. Uh, is there like a specific example of one that you can think of? Uh, I think the fact that people found all the endings to the game within a couple of days kind of blew me away. The quantum moon one kind of impressed me. Yeah. So, so the quantum moon, I assume, is you stay on the moon while the universe blows up? But you have to have pulled the warp core. And oh, you have to be, okay. You have to be at the uh, the eye of the universe location as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you like go to if you like go chill with Solanum and you've pulled the warp core, because um, because because you can't I don't know if you ever tried to run away from the sun exploding, but if you haven't pulled the warp core, you'll just get sent back in time anyway. Mm. Because it's like you don't have to get hit by the supernova, right? It's like it doesn't matter how far you are, you still get sent back in time. Yeah. Um, but uh, if you have pulled the core and go hang out with Solanum, you pretty much become like they are. The partially dead. Yeah, because yeah. the rest of the solar system is all dead, and the supernova has wiped everything out. But you're just one sixth of you, I guess, is on. You sort of become—I don't know. It's unclear exactly what that process is, but uh, yeah. Uh, and I know about—I haven't seen it myself, but I know there's an ending where the universe is destroyed if you can get the—if you do the high energy lab experiment and get the probe to hit itself. Oh, no, so so that's just um. You, you, you route the power so that the probe exits the white hole before it enters the black hole. Mm-hmm. And then if you pull the cores while there are two, I keep calling it a probe because that's kind of like what Louis else called, while there are two scouts, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the white hole and black hole disappear and you're just left with two scouts. Um, and that's a problem, which makes sense. You're like, okay, yeah. cool, time travel, you can duplicate objects. Um, yeah. But it's a, it's a plot hole because why would the Novi need to blow up the sun if they can just duplicate matter? That's just like infinite energy. <laughs> and so we just sort of came up with the rule of if you don't, if you create a paradox with sort of matter or energy, mm. um, if you violate that, you know, the conservation of energy, you break reality, which <laughs> I uh, see. we were like, all right, well, let's just like, let's just you can just do that i guess um and it was like a fun secret ending but the the impetus for it was sort of to cover our kind of cover our bases <laughs> why didn't the gnome i just do this maybe they but um, of course you can't just say they didn't think of it because clearly they're very scientifically minded somebody would have thought of it right it's a real problem actually like oh but the gnome i would totally have done that um yeah and so the rule is that you're allowed to send information back in time but not 
physical, where you can send physical matter back in time, but when you reach the point at which, if you don't complete the loop. Yeah. Because obviously you're allowed to have two scouts for a little bit, but yeah. it's okay because it resolves itself, right? It does, one of the yeah. scouts does in fact enter the black hole and ca causality is not violated. Mm -hmm. uh, but if, if you reach the point where the loop, where it should loop up back on itself and it doesn't happen, then the idea is sort of reality disintegrates. Interesting. Uh, are there are there other endings besides like the, that pair and the uh, like dying at a weird time and the actual ending? I think that's um, it. Uh, and then there's just the uh, if you try to fly away uh, after uh, removing the warp core and just oh, fly yeah. into oh, the depths of space. What happens? Um. Uh, we tell you that you drift into space uh, until you ran out of oxygen and fuel, and uh, we show you the credits. <laughs> okay. I mean, reasonable. Utterly reasonable. Yeah, that uh, makes sense. We were like, maybe we should just like actually let you fly until you deplete your O2. No, no, that would be that would be mean. Let's let's just. <laughs> I think we, my, my way I remember was it was like too much work. <laughs> so we'd like have to implement O2 and like fuel in the ship proper. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because right now it's just infinite. Um, but it would have been like, very long, like a very long and uninteresting. Be pretty funny though. Life. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. The. Uh... Okay, that's cool. That's that's good to know that. Uh... Yeah, I mean, these were a lot of these were things that like occurred to us to try. Like the thing about the the um, being on the on the moon at the end was a thing that like occurred to us to try, but we decided not because it like seemed like a lot of work. Um, <laughs> and also, you know, in in a way, we were sort of afraid of what would happen uh, at the end, right? Because Based on what has been established diegetically, it would make sense if you die on after you've pulled the core, if like your entire log got wiped out. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And we, we were super terrified of you guys doing that because we're like, <laughs> it's like the ballsy game design choice to do that. It's super mean to the player, but. <laughs> yeah, I was also so scared when I died with the core. That's good. Yeah, we, we, uh... died, we died a bunch of times with the with the core, in part because we didn't really understand how to get to the center of, um, like the proper thing to get to the center of the uh, the the core on Ash Twin, mm -hmm. uh, because mm -hmm. it, it it seemed like there's no way you can just walk into the sand stream because it's the sand stream and it'll just pull you up. Uh, so what we ended up doing which i'm still very proud of us because it worked uh we parked the ship in the broken ceiling yeah yep. uh, which i think mike talked to you guys about maybe um and uh, uh yeah so we parked the ship in the broken ceiling so it would be a, a temporary ceiling and it would get sucked up instead of us and then we rode we like went in but it's like very hard to park it in a way to make that work so, like, yeah. half the time we couldn't make it work on the first cycle, so we'd just have to restart. Also, we didn't know about the instant die button. Carl and Kelso, did you know there is a mechanic where you can actually end the loop early? No, well, I um, just knew you could quit after the menu. Yeah, I knew that. I, I 
mostly, if I wanted to end a loop, I just found a creative and fun way to kill myself. Yes. <laughs> so if you talk to Gabbro after a while, he he gives you the ability to meditate, uh, and then that lets you just end the loop immediately, which I did not know until I saw someone else play. That's nice. I like Gabbro. He's a good boy. <laughs> I'm glad. Um, we, uh, oh, yeah, sorry, Yolan, you are. But yeah, no, that's... Yeah, so basically our we had to restart the the loop like quit out to menu anytime we we missed that uh, uh that thing because we parked our spaceship wrong. We actually originally had the uh or for a while we had the sort of end loop as just a default option in the menu. It wasn't something you had to unlock originally. And we took it out or we made it we made it this thing you had to find because players abused it in playtests. Oh, interesting. Like, they would fall through the black hole and sort of just, like, insta-restart. Um, you know, sort of like, they give up too easily, I guess, is the, the easiest way to, to say Oh, it. yeah. That there's a lot sense. of situations yeah. in the game where, like, if you just, like, try a little bit, you know, you can maybe, either something really cool and interesting happens, or you learn something you wouldn't have learned otherwise, or you see something you missed. Um, and so we ended up taking yeah. it. Because people are like, why can they have this feature just default? And it's like, well, because players abuse it. <laughs> yeah. Because if you don't fall through the black hole, you never discover the white hole station. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's yeah. actually not true. I found the white hole station first because I was searching out the comet and I saw the lensing effect of the white hole. And I'm like, is oh, there, is there oh, you know some what? kind of like. I think, thing I, there? I think I did the same thing, actually. I think I went to the white hole before I figured oh. out what it was. Just from, Just, like, flying around a little bit. Nice. And I saw something weird, and I was like, let's go check it out. It's weird. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it was quite an issue as well on the, uh, the yeah, the, the Hourglass Twins, just because yeah. people yeah. would just, like, be like, oh, I'm trapped. I guess I'll just restart instead of trying to find a way out. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, so speaking of finding a way out, that segues me to another topic that I really want to discuss with you guys, which is shortcuts. Um, so most of the places that you have to get in the game, or not most, but like many of the places you have to get in the game, are very difficult and time-consuming to get to. Uh, and then while you're there, you discover an exit that lets you get back into the place very quickly if you know it's there. But they're very well hidden. Um so that, like, when you... Uh, they're very hard to find by accident. And that's a fucking hell of a balancing act, guys. How did you... How did you do that? Like, how did we hide the shortcuts? How did you hide the shortcuts so that, like, they're visible enough that you can find them if you know they're there, but not so visible that people, like, run into them all the time accidentally? Um, uh, I think... Part of the trick there is to have uh, players' attention. Uh, I feel like one of the biggest thing I learned from this game was uh, player attention, and that like when we had our final playtests, uh, we actually had something uh, wonderful new technology, like new the wonderful technology of eye tracking, which mm. allowed us to see where the players were looking at at all time. Um, that showed for us on the screen, mm-hmm. and uh, it is amazing how uh, how easy it is to distract most players from something. They just 
having something shiny or having something brighter on the screen. Like Interesting. So, like, for instance, the two I'm thinking of are there's a place towards the one of the poles on Brittle Hollow that's like a, a group of snow f- things in a melt pool. Mm-hmm. And if you follow the melt pool down, like, there's a there's this little waterfall that you can get inside that takes you down to the Hanging City. Um, and there's the um, the boob cleft on the Ember Twin. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like the two rounded rocks, and if you go like in between them, you can get down into the sun the Sunless City very quickly. The, the boob cleft. <laughs> yeah. It's better than my friends who referred to it as the asshole. <laughs> oh, that's fair. Yeah, I guess that... I guess I just internally referred to that as like it's the thing. It's it's the hole by the cannon. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I could, I, th- I thought of them pretty, like, pretty continuously as the boob rocks. That's fair. It's like, hey, you go between the boob rocks. I'll have to, I'll have to go back and look and see if I can see, see booby there. <laughs> I, I tried to find that shortcut twice without finding it, even though I knew it was there. Uh, that one, yeah, because I remember that one just because originally the, uh, there was going to be another like, valid path to the Sunless City from the Gravity Cannon. Mm. Um, it wasn't originally going to be sort of the secret shortcut. Um, and I think that's sort of what led eventually to the idea of of, of doing that in the first place, because it, it, it made more sense. It was like, okay, like, yeah, it's an open-world game, but it's, like, narratively way more satisfying to sort of go from the escape pod to the city for your first time mm-hmm. um, and do it sort of the long way. And it was like, oh, yeah, what if we just, like, have... Cause, we need you to get back to the city without having to do this sort of laborious, sort of insane pathway every yeah, single yeah. goddamn time. And so it was that was like an obvious candidate to like, oh, we need that place is huge. We need a shortcut there. Um, and it's like, oh, what if we just like take this path we were going that we kind of were going to get rid of for the gravity cannon and just make that sort of a path you're never going to find unless you know it's there. And then the gravity cannon's like a really useful landmark. You're like, I know it's by the big gravity cannon and. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's gonna go look at it, just a pile of rocks. Yeah. Um, except maybe no my um <laughs> Yeah. Um so is the is the distracting element there meant to be the gravity cannon? Like Yeah, and just like even if you like see that I've never seen anyone really investigate the pile of rocks because because it's one because you have to drop into it from above, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and it's just like it's just like really secluded and the way people play the game is, I, I think what helps also is that um, the game was always, we, we try really hard not to make it the kind of game where you feel like you need to look behind every corner in case you find like a secret message or a collectible. I mean, there are no collectibles, but it's, you know, it was <laughs> never supposed to be. It feels like there should be. <laughs> <laughs> it was never supposed to be the kind of exploration game where you have to like completely scour the landscape. It's like we make, we tried to make the points of interest really, really obvious Mm-hmm. Um, and like once you're in a space, you don't really have to work very hard to see all of the pieces of text, right? They're all pretty red, like apparent. And, um, and, and so, yet, and yet, I miss right. so many. And even yeah, and even despite that, we definitely people do do miss things. Um, so it was actually I don't know, and I feel like it was actually pretty easy to find to just stick these things in places where just no one's ever gonna stumble on them by accident. Hmm. Yeah. That's surprising to me because it it feels like when you see them when you know where they are it's so easy to find them. Um, <laughs> it, it feels like that's like a very tough design task. But no, I, I definitely take the point of distraction, where like this you know 
people, if you give them something shiny to look at, people will look at the shiny thing. Honestly, I think we are more worried about people like being able to find them when they went back than yeah. <laughs> find it by accident. Like I, we definitely seen play testers who like like come out of the sunless city and then like do not realize that they could just you know do that. Like it's like no, they know where it is. Like just go back and they get yeah. over again. There was one. That was actually one of the big issues with people being able to kill themselves. Like literally nobody would would find the the secret passage out of the uh, the, mm. the Sunless City. Well, because they go to that ice shrine. Yeah. yeah, everyone was like, oh, the sun is too high. I guess restart, right? Instead right. of like trying to find the way out. And it was really problematic. No, that's a good point. Do you die? Yeah. yeah. Just not realizing that shortcut exists. Interesting. I definitely also saw a playtester who found the shortcut, but was convinced for whatever reason that um, because I guess because there was a door in between that you couldn't use that entrance um, until yeah. you had powered the city, and oh. so like until you'd brought up the lights, and therefore you couldn't you couldn't enter that door from the other side, so it wasn't a shortcut. <laughs> and they did learn eventually, but like for a long time they didn't. They always went the long way around because they didn't realize that the door could be opened from both sides. <laughs> that might explain some of the playtests we had actually. So there's a few people. I was just like, oh, you found like a really big shortcut. Why, why, why are you going back the long way? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So some combination of not finding it and not realizing that it's like a shortcut. Right. Yeah. Um. Well, cool. Uh, let's see. What else do I have on my list? Um. So this is, I guess this is maybe, maybe you guys don't even remember this because this will be from way back when you made the prototype. Um, but like, it's not an easy thing to write a nonlinear narrative, to write a narrative that can be uncovered in any order like this. So like, how did you approach that? What was like, where did you even start from in an effort to organize that? Oh, yeah. The the game has always been structured around, we call them curiosities, mm -hmm. the sort of like the sunken module, um, the Ash Twin project, the quantum moon and the vessel, and then the interloper is sort of like a standalone thing. Mm -hmm. um, and the goal was always to have each one answers a major question or sort of mystery in the world. And the idea was sort of like, you could, you know, it doesn't matter, like, what order you learn those answers in. Mm -hmm. um, and then once you know all of them, you have the information to sort of go to the end game. Um, and I, I think that that was the structure from, from, from way back when and sort of what the answers actually were kind of changed. And then you know, the Ashwin project and the probe cannon are sort of entangled a, a little, you know, it's not like a super clean divide there. Mm -hmm. uh, but we did we did try to adhere to that um, as, as we sort of like tried to make all the puzzle pieces fall into place and sort of uh, dating key reveal you know, like, you know, moments of like, oh, you know, this now um, making sure that you, know, you don't stumble upon major, major pieces of the story too early. Yeah, uh, I was going to say you also have to breadcrumb things like how to get to the major locations with the major information and how many breadcrumbs to spread. For those things the original sort of design was sort of like every curiosity has three 
clues that sort of tell you about the curiosity's existence and also tell you a rule you need to physically reach it. Um, and the quantum moon is probably the one that ended up being adhering the most to that sort of structure. Um, although the quantum moon also has a bunch of extra sort of little places where you just, it's a piece of text more or less telling you about the existence of the quantum moon or yeah. one of the shards. But then with the exception of the shard on Timber Hearth, just sort of just a random shard, um, all of the other shards have a piece of narrative that sort of tell you about the quantum moon and then also teach you a rule about how the quantum mechanics work in the game. And then once you've visited all of those, you can go to the moon and sort of reach the curiosity, which is Solanum. Mm -hmm. uh, what happens if you end the game? Because I feel like you could do this pretty easily. What happens if you end the game without going to the quantum moon first? Mm. Do you not uh, get Solanum for the song? You don't, you don't get Solanum, no. Aw. And then uh, in the post credit scene, you also don't get the creatures at the campfire. Oh, no! <laughs> That's really sad. Is it because, like you did not have enough curiosity when you triggered the eye? <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Uh, I mean, I think we wanted Solanum to represent... Uh, uh, oh, wait, what does Solanum represent, actually? <laughs> is it curiosity? It is curiosity. Yeah. Uh, I, like, I'm like, care I like don't want to go too much on record for, like, what everything, like, overtly means. It's true. Mm -hmm. Uh, just because, like, we really, you know, it's like it's kind of fun to leave certain things vague and have people come up with their own theories. But uh, we definitely have a pretty solid idea of like what each piece of that final, yeah, what everything kind of represents in that final sequence. And there is a reason, yeah, why Solanum. If you don't meet Solanum, um, why the end sequence changes technically, and we we just didn't have sort of it's sort of a scope thing, and also just making sure the end sequence feels good. But uh, in a way, if you haven't met. The other travelers really should work that way on some level, although I guess you I could... was going to ask, like, if you don't stop by their campfires, do you not get the other travelers? Right. Uh, and you do. I guess it'd be kind of fun to have done that for like a speedrunner perspective. Um, <laughs> but uh, but no, you don't have to actually. I, I mean, the argument is that you already know them, right? Yeah, you've met them on like before they left or something like that. Right. But you technically don't really necessarily know their knowledge. And that was sort of. You know, the idea was sort of each one of them sort of has a different area of knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, I I love that ending. I Like, as I say, as I've said several times now, like, it, it grows on me more and more. And I like the idea that, you know, it's even though, even at the end, when, like, everything is destroyed, there's still this kind of, like, facet of creation uh, and it, this this sort of cyclic thing where like nothing is really ever over. It just takes new forms, and you know, it, at the end of everything, even though there's nothing you could have actually done to stop the destruction of the universe, despite that being like kind of as as that article on death said, it's sort of implicit when you play that like you're going to be stopping the supernova because in any other video game you would be. Mm -hmm. um, but the kind of like, like melancholy of like just accepting the end, but also like the end being a new beginning is like a, it's real nice. It's, it feels real good. <laughs> Sad, but good. Thanks. I'm happy we were able to sort of, yeah, pull that moment off. Um, also because of that, I'm, I've, met, I've talked about this when we played Gris a little bit, but like, I am not someone who gets tattoos. That's not really a thing I do, but if I were to get a tattoo, 
man, the coordinates to the eye of the universe would make a great tattoo. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Because it's a cool design, and it's, like, very meaningful, but if someone, like, doesn't know the meaning and sees it, it still just, like, looks like an interesting thing. Or or the any of the, like, icon symbols that the Nomai used to represent the planets. Those were all... Wow, chef kiss. Very good. <laughs> uh, no, thanks. Thanks, we worked. We, God, those went through a lot of iterations. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I bet. Uh, uh, speaking of iterations, though, the place that hasn't... I mean, it has changed, but maybe it's not. It hasn't changed the most, but has that it has gone through the most iterations would definitely be uh, the starting village. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Which uh, Alex redid uh, uh, thousands of times. Uh, well, tutorials, point. man. Tutorials are hard. Goddamn tutorials. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, it's amazing how much. Uh, how much the beginning matters more than anything else. Yeah. And it's it's an important kind of, like, it does a lot of things because it provides you with um, tutorials. It shows you examples, like, small form ver- examples of things that you'll see later in the game. It And it sets a lot of tonal importance things, like who these people are, why they're doing what they're doing, um, you know, like, why they haven't, like learned as much about the Nomai up until this point. Um, it, it like really sets you in the story as well. It has to do a lot of heavy lifting that village. And it's like, yeah. it's like what you mentioned earlier, Kylo, about like finding the camps on the other planet, like all of the, not all, but a lot of the stuff that you encounter just in the starting village on Timberheart, it's like a, an anchor almost. So you're on another planet and shit's going sideways. And it's like, Nope, I'm just going to stop. And I'm going to roast a marshmallow. It's going to be fine. Like a recentering sort of, <laughs> sort of uh, action that you can take there, and never figure out how to properly cook a marshmallow and only ever burn it. <laughs> oh my god, the number of people, yeah, we see just like shoving that marshmallow straight into the flames, like. To be fair, that's how I cook marshmallows in real yeah, life. I mean, oh, I, this... I like I like them okay. crispy, so. Well, when I. <laughs> Lone yeah, had an idea should... way back when. He was like, oh, if they, like, burn the marshmallow and eat it, we should, like, damage them a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, the best marshmallow is, like, black cinder on the outside and gooey liquid on the inside. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. The carbon, it's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like seasoning. Yeah. Mm. That's to each their own. <laughs> do, you, do you do you actually uh did you ever figure out what roasting marshmallows does i had assumed it probably heals you but i could not prove that hypothesis <laughs> does it not uh it it does but uh you have to it, it's a cur- it's based on a how perfectly you roast it oh uh, interesting so if you burn it it does shit which is why alone was like oh what if we like hurt them uh, <laughs> i thought it was a really fucking funny idea <laughs> Interesting, yeah. Because, I, well, I assumed it had to heal you. That was like a game design knowledge thing, because the at the camps, you can get oxygen and you can get fuel, and, like, the only other thing you couldn't do is heal. Mm-hmm. So I'm yep. like, well, probably roasting the marshmallows heals you. Yeah. <laughs> That's I can't tell if this is healing me or not. It didn't right. seem to, but maybe, you know. 
the UI is not on screen when it happens. So there's like no way to tell. You kind of have to like be able to look at your health before and look at it after and see if it changed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's very cute. And also, it's a nice it's a nice moment to de-stress a little bit. <laughs> it heals the player a little bit from uh, from what they've been doing, <laughs> uh, which is important as well. Uh, let's see. I'm getting towards the end of my list. Um, What's up with the anglerfish at the end? It scared the shit out of me. <laughs> oh, it ends with... Yes. Yeah. Yeah, guys. Why you gotta put that last jump scare in? Oh, at the eye! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, just because you're mean, I'm gathering. It's not life. actually. There's actually. There's actually a reason for it. Um, I without saying too much. Um, each instrument you collect, um, the sort of little vignette that plays out around it, uh, is representative of something. Hmm. So, so feldspar is presumably like bravery and daring, um, or similar, because of his his attitudes. The so I guess yeah, facing your fears <laughs> is a thing. The, uh, the text each traveler has after you've gathered them um, is also sort of a hint okay. for, for sort of like what each traveler sort of conceptually represents. Um, and that sort of plays into the final end sequence. Um, that being said, yeah, like, no, the angler thing was definitely sort of like, we can get in one last jump scare. We'll never see. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like, you assholes. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, but no, I, I understand. I would probably have been tempted to do something like that myself. It's just like, situation. how can you not? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's the scariest thing you have in the game, and it is real damn scary. My favorite thing is if you like run from it, it just like goes through the trees. <laughs> well if you if you run from it for long enough, the light goes out on its own. Oh yeah. Uh, you can kite it all the way back to that. I, I don't know why I'm explaining. I just like it's like visually one of the jankiest things in the game and I think it drives like Logan nuts a little bit. <laughs> um yeah, no, it's uh it I I've I we we figured out Sam was piloting at that point, so uh we figured out that uh you could just turn the flashlight off and it would go away. But no, I did see I did see one of the um the streamers like let it keep following them until it like disappeared on its own. Um, uh, maybe they, I like, I'm not sure if that's possible or if they just like accidentally brushed the button and didn't realize it, but it seemed yeah. like the light flickered out off and on and it just went away. Oh yeah. Yeah. If you reach the edge of that area, it like you, the lights flicker out and you kind of loop back to the other side. So it'll mm -hmm. go away at that point. Okay. That makes sense. Um, oh, shoot. There's something else I was going to say about, Anglerfish. Ah, no, I've forgotten. And like facing facing fears. I don't know. I like Feldspar. That's not what I was gonna say, but I liked Feldspar. He was uh, he's a he's a fun fun character. I think Feldspar is my favorite. Kelsey did an awesome job with him or them. Did did, uh, did anyone else um, besides me talk to Chert? Uh, when the sun was close to exploding? Oh, no, I did not. He, I, nope. this is, he, this he freaks the is... fuck out. 
yeah, this conversation's giving me so many like little things. Like, I need to go back and try that. I need to go back and yeah. try that. So, guess what my afternoon is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No. The if you talk to Chert when the sun is close to exploding, you don't get any dialogue options with him because he's just freaking out. Oh, he's freaking Chert. the hell out. Poor and if you Chert. tell him that the sun is exploding, you can trigger that freak out early. <laughs> yep. Wow. <laughs> nice. Chert is the most tragic of the travelers. Yeah. Really, no, really I don't is. know. The one who is actively afraid of space is pretty tragic too. Yeah, Ryback oh, was my favorite. Yeah, he was my favorite. I know. Sure, I know those those feels. <laughs> <laughs> Though uh, he, uh, I think he's the he's not as tragic as Chert because the more you learn and the more you can tell him about the things you've learned, and the more excited and happy he becomes. Mm -hmm. So I feel like Trish is trapped in a loop of like realizing the world's ending over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a good point about Ryback. Uh, he's he's an interesting one. Also, like the most uh, kind of the most nonsensically located, considering how scared they are. Oh yeah. Like, I know we have dialogue about, like, they fell down or something, but, like, that's, like, an elaborate gravity crystal path to traverse Ethera. Yeah. It's, too, yeah, it's an elaborate gravity path to traverse directly above a black hole. Right. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Rybeck's never going to leave. He really wanted to see the stuff there. Yeah. He feel really strongly. Yeah. <laughs> good, good for Rybeck. That's the thing. Your, your, your desire has to be greater than your fear. <laughs> it's yeah. important to get to that point. Oh. Right. Um, let's see. What were we talking about before the about the jumps something about the jump scare and like trolling. There was something else I think I was gonna ask you if it was trolling in the game. Uh, <laughs> but I don't remember what. Um okay. Oh, I wanted to ask uh, what things in the game are random, because there is it is an established part of the narrative that randomness is still random, uh, because every time the time loop starts, the, the probe has to be shot in a random direction. Otherwise, there's no point to time looping. So we're not in a deterministic universe here. Um, but it seemed to me as I was messing around like there were definitely some el other elements of the game that were random. The, the ones that I clocked that I... I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure it seemed like the twister behavior uh, on Giant's Deep was random, and the meteors um, from the moon uh, onto Brittle Hollow were random. Is that it, or are those random? Or were there other things that were random? Uh, these two are definitely random, yes. Okay. The tornado's less so, though. Yeah. Uh, there is a bit of variation with the tornadoes that really shows by the end of the loop more than at the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, well, because I, I, I assumed that because I didn't always get crushed by a falling island. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, so there must be some variation in how the islands are picked up. Yeah, as they kind of wobble as they go up, and that, that adds a little bit of variation. Um, Brittle Hollow is by far the most random place in the game. Okay, yeah, yeah the, the order of what, like, disintegrates into the black hole is yep. random, it seems. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, it's literally just, like, the pieces have health, and when the meteors hit them, they subtract from the health, and when it hits uh, zero, bye. 
So I assume, therefore, that the tower must have a lot of health because it's always towards the end, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> that, that was a little bit unsure. Did you have some tests where it went through real early? Um, let's just say that sometimes, uh, 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 for the sake of, uh, uh, for the sake of the game experience, we cheat a little. Hmm. There are certain things, like the tower will not fall before a certain amount of time. Okay. Even if it gets hit, like, a bajillion times through some, like, weird fluke accident. But, um, then there are other things, like, uh, we... I didn't even know this was possible, but there was someone online who was like, oh, yeah, like one time the orbital probe cannon fired and the, the probe hit my ship on the launch pad and it exploded. Whoa. <laughs> wow. Just like, oh, I guess that's a thing that can happen. Cool. Is, yep. So is, awesome. the, is the orbital probe like um, actually like it actually is that random that it can go on that plane? Yeah. Yeah. It's completely random. Wow. To the point that it like. There's a couple aspects. It was one of those things where, uh, realistically, it would have behaved... It, the way that it would have been done would have been slightly different. Like, if you're going to fire on the opposite side of Giant Steep, it should, like, wait to do that until it's on the opposite side of Giant Steep. Yeah. Uh, but for the sake of the game, it just, like, goes through the planet. But, uh, no, it is after... We fake it for, like, the first couple of loops so that you get, a, like, a really good vantage point on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, like, notice that it's a thing. But after a certain point, it just becomes fully random. Interesting. Um, I guess that, that proves Huck's theory. So my husband had a theory of like, like if you, so if you didn't have the, the core to take out, like what are some ways that you could get yourself out of the hell of dying every 20 minutes? Uh, and he's like, well, theoretically at some point the probe could launch on the exact direct, direct, uh, trajectory of the Ash Twin project and break oh the Ash Twin project. Oh, Dang. That had not occurred to me. And he's like, and you know, it's an incredibly small chance, um, but that would probably eventually, before, you know, infinity, uh, like, end the Ash Twin project and get you out of this loop. Oh, my God. Like, back when they, um... <laughs> oh, boy, yeah. I wonder, I wonder if the probe impacting, it sort of depends on like, yeah, would that have caused enough damage? Um, cause I have, oh, well, here's the thing though. It happened at the very beginning. Um, and the sand is completely full at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the other thing that could happen on a theoretically infinite time scale would be, um, it could phase through it, but based on like molecular alignment. Which is like theoretically possible, but realistically impossible. <laughs> uh, and and just phase through it just enough to exactly hit the core. Uh, but you're talking like multiple universes worth of timelines for that to to happen. Jeez, still yeah. seems like uh, they should have coded something in to prevent it from going on that trajectory. <laughs> yeah, for I'll sure. Just say they did. Um, yeah. God, I would have, like, knocked out the sun station back if they'd done it, you know, the way they planned. Yeah. Oh, that's really funny. No, that's incredible. I, that had just, I don't know, never occurred to me. Um, yeah, so that's that's some good, uh, some, some good random. Um, now I'm trying to back, backtrack my thoughts again because I also lost a question about 
something about the the meters. Does the lava level go down on that moon over the course of the game? Yep. Okay. I thought so, but I wasn't I wasn't 100 percent sure on that one. Oh, yeah. Uh, you did that one, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that. that. Um, uh, well, as you're mentioning, like technically you can, you, if you're really good, you can land on the volcanic moon at the start, but uh, it is incredibly easier to do it uh, later in the loop as more of the lava recedes and more of the uh, more ground is available for you to land on. So is the is the like the high density of meteors destroying that planet due to the the sun activity or does What's like yeah I was gonna say because otherwise why is Brittle Hollow still there? Yeah, there, there's some shit like that where it's like, why is this happening now? And sort of our lampshade explanation is like the sun's getting more active. And I, I think in the alpha, actually, the text does say something like Hornfell sun says something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like... Yeah. And I guess the another thing that's random is the uh, the orientation that you come in on in Dark Bramble when you go through the, the gates, right? It's not actually. Is it not? I guess I just like, because it's, maybe it's, really? Because it seems like you uh, you can't just go through the same set of uh, brambles the same way every time, but maybe that's oh. based on like where I enter it from? Yeah, so the brambles, originally they were all supposed to like, the entrances mm-hmm. um, from like the spheres were always supposed to map one-to-one to the entrances on the inside, and some of them do act that way, so like, the outside of Dark Bramble, like, which which hole you enter through matters. Mm. And so that's probably why, like, once you're on the inside, sort of the locations of the other lights is going to change based on which one you enter through. But then there are some of them, once you're on the inside, um, just for level design purposes, um, we ended up having to sort of be like, okay, which no matter which hole you enter through, it always spits you out through this one, sort of like for the one with the red light, you know, the angler nest. Yeah. Because that just yeah. work otherwise. Um, yeah, and I, I think there was one that I got into an infinite loop in Dark yeah. Bramble where I just kept going and going, and it was like the same few spaces over and over, and I'm like, I am definitely in a loop. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I guess that, that one that one could probably be filed a little bit under, uh, yeah, trolling the player as well. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to go backwards, though, and it breaks the loop. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I think that is what I ended up doing. Um, the, the, oh, I think I remembered what I was going to say earlier. It was about the, um, that final, the final loop, the tension of the final loop after you've pulled the core. Um, I, as I said, we went the long way. Ours, our, our way of going was longer and tenser because we had to do this weird spaceship thing to get, uh, down into the Ashtwin. Uh, and then we we didn't know about the track the vessel option, so we had to go all the way to the the um, the ship, and then all the way or all the way to the escape pod, and then all the way to the ship. Uh, and I did that run, and by the time I we actually got to the eye to the sixth location, we warped there. My hands were shaking. I was shaking so bad I had to pass the controller off to Sam to finish the game. So like. A plus, I guess, on like ratcheting the tension at the end. Thanks. Uh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, and then also like 
I'm still every time creeped out by the the one section of the like the the section before you get to the the like campgrounds in the end sequence is pretty mm-hmm. scary. Like going yes. through the eye in the quantum thunderstorm and that weird like dripping area <laughs> when you first jump into the storm, like that still disturbs me a little bit. Um so it's it's like it's really interesting that there's like that that like ho- kind of horribleness and tension and then you get to this sort of like uncertain coziness. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah, we definitely uh the eye is supposed to be like the most quantum thing. Um it's like well that's probably you know it's like the, literally the point where reality itself starts to break down like uncertainty sort of starts to like take over so um yeah it seems like that must have been a fun space to design it was super fun <laughs> the drippy thing i think that was uh originally that was just like you're falling towards like a big old like ocean below uh and I, wesley was the one who came up with sort of these the, the crazy infinite pillars uh yeah. and he did a really cool like spatial trick with it where like it's the model is just like they just get smaller Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah. it's like it's like you know it's distorted to kind of give the illusion of like this it, it looks a lot bigger than it actually is the old force perspective trick mm. yeah you just don't get to do much in the game because you can just yeah. go everywhere yeah. so it was really fun to do a sequence where it is a more traditional sort of linear set piece yeah because um, you can just do all sorts of things like like the scene the, the the unity scene for that area is just so radically different in structure from anywhere else in the game mm. Yeah, I I could see that. It's I'm a I'm a sucker for like surreal uh like locations and surreal like environments in games. So that's, you know, that's just an appealing thing to me generally. <laughs> it was fun. Um all right, I think I have I have one more question from uh Huck, although I think it it may have been answered um like via via some friends of ours earlier. Uh, but he wanted to know why parking the spaceship in the ceiling works, uh, like in the specifics of how technically is the sand uh, funnel implemented, that it like doesn't hit you if you're hiding under the ship. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, the yeah, sand um, doesn't impact you if you're under something, pretty much. Uh, doesn't matter, you know, if it's your ship or if it's architecture or so it's all about like being being safe under something. Uh and so if you're under the ship, you're safe until the ship is not under you and you're over you anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, that's how it works. The uh, on the technical it's a ray cast. Yeah. That that had been my guess as well, but yeah. uh, it is it is good to confirm. Um, yeah, I, I so when it came de- to actually getting into um, the core, uh, we did end up having to look up when to do it because it 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 was clear from the hints like okay, it has to be this teleportation pad, but it seems like every time we go to this teleportation pad, like it's not the right time. Uh, and, like, we can't go to the teleportation pad when there's the sand over it, obviously. Um, and so we looked it up, and it was like, no, you do have to go to the pad when the sand is over it. Um, so I understand you guys, like, patched the game recently to, like, make that more obvious. Is that true? 
Yeah, we so we did like half of the the, the change we're gonna do um, okay. in a quick patch, and we actually have a, a far more elaborate patch coming in that we um we actually like moved some uh, murals around and made a new mural and wrote some new text. Okay. Uh, so hopefully that should make it should make the um there's the black hole forge now has a far more overt clue um. It pretty much, like, pretty much we have two clues now. And the high energy lab is like, here's how you know where each tower goes. And then the black hole forge is, here's how you know which each tower, um, which tower responds to which alignment. And if you put two and two together, it should be more obvious that, oh, this tower goes to Ash Twin, but it aligns with Ember Twin. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that makes sense. Uh, and it, it's good to make uh, the black hole forge be, like, a bit more of a reward. Because it felt, it's hard to get to. And it felt a bit disappointing. We're like, oh, that's all I learned here? All right. I mostly knew all that already. We'll uh, see how the changes, how, how they work, honestly. Yeah, but. I'll be excited to, like, try it a, again at that point. Um, the I did see one of the people that I watched the Let's Play piloted the ship to the forge. They flew mm, into the – they flew into Brittle Hollow – and managed to land the ship enough that the 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 gravity ceiling caught them, and they could just get out and and walk there. They never did the uh, the the teleporter from the Ash Twin. Yeah, that was always uh, a thing we knew was possible. Uh, it wasn't supposed to be the <laughs> uh, it's not common the preferred solution. solution. Yeah. But uh, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, there's I was, a lot of I was places, taken like, aback. I was taken aback when I saw that. Where I'm like, what? There is there's a lot of ways that are absurdly hard but possible to sequence break a lot of the game, and uh, we we always wanted to keep these things in whenever possible uh, for as long as the uh, for as long as it didn't impact uh, the easiness of finding the 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 easy solution in a sense, right? It's like... As long as it's not like everyone's first thought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, for as long as you don't try to do the hard solution 50 times first and <laughs> fail at it and get frustrated, it's like, okay, you can still try, you know, you can still yeah. do it, but we Tell don't want you to that's think it's the way to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that makes sense. Uh, and I think that's a good design decision because people love having like fun stupid ways of doing things given the option yeah. um, i am so curious to see speedruns of this game because i bet this is going to be like a, a fun speedrun game as like not so much the like just beat the game category because like if you know how to get to the end you can obviously just like get to the end there's it's pretty quickly um but the, like I bet there'll be like an all logs category or something like that where you have to get like everything that's in the ship's log or something to that effect. And I bet there's gonna be some real fun, weird strategies for this game. Yeah. Like I, I wanna know like what order should you visit all the planets and like can you get multiple planets on one cycle by like doing things at certain times and I think I didn't, didn't someone do uh, all logs run? Uh, they did. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm trying to find it right now. 
already. Uh, it's very early for there to be speedruns. Our favorite so far is um the shipless speedruns, I think. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. Nice. That does sound fun. They literally use a geyser on Timber Hearth to catapult themselves to Ash Twin. And then once they've pulled the core, they use the gravity cannon on Ember Twin to send themselves to Dark Bramble. Wow. Oh, that's good. Otherwise, you don't have enough oxygen or fuel, apparently. Yeah. In yeah, that, I was thinking, like, your fuel would certainly run out, but... In uh, 23 minutes, they did it. 23 minutes and 33, uh, 33 seconds without the ship. It's pretty bonkers. Wow. That's... I like that. Um, I assume when you once you get to the end sequence, your fuel and oxygen stop depleting. I assume it's not possible to run out of those things in the yes. final... Uh, you can super die on the surface of the eye because there's no O2. Uh, the, except in the thunderstorm, sometimes. You get yeah. Once you enter the thunderstorm, there are trees, so you get O2 again. But like you, it, I don't know. You just like petered around the surface for a while. Um, one thing that doesn't really make any sense is that uh, your fuel on O2 does actually refill when you want to to the eye. So I've never seen anyone actually run out. Okay. Uh, but is it is it possible to like run out of fuel in the um, in the like campsite area in the end? Uh, once you've actually entered the eye itself, um, your fuel in O2 no longer. I think I think you're safe. Okay. All right. I was just curious. Yeah, you know it's good. I think the only place where you can actually die in the end sequence is um, after you've warped to the surface, but before you've entered sort of the. Uh, the, the, the yeah. hurricane or whatever it is. You yeah. can also sort of do an impact death if you uh, fall off the sort of the, the weird crater area that flips you upside down. Mm. But but you just re- I think you just spawned you in, in the vessel at the eye, so you don't have to like redo the whole end sequence. Oh, yeah. That's that's kind of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would be bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure there were like other things that I wanted to mention. But this is all the stuff that I have written down. Um, so uh, if I don't know if anybody uh, else in the group has other questions. Nope. You did oh. good. Do you, do you guys have any, like, favorite stories or favorite Easter eggs or other stuff that you want to mention for, about the dev? Um. About the dev or for, from Kelso and Carl about playing? Hmm. That's a that's a hard one. Um, I don't know. I think uh, like I think the one thing about the past months is like it's been so, I mean, so amazing just watching so many people play it and find things. I mean, as I was saying, the the shipless run and the uh, the the people just finding all the uh, endings and. Also interpreting the ending very, very accurately for some people. Like just, uh, it's nice that uh, uh, even when you describe like the game and what everything happens, and I guess as you said, you saw you saw the game played multiple times, but it's like it's really nice to see that uh, if you if you put a lot of time in the game, (laughs) yeah, it's like. You people get it, you know. It's not just the most uh, obscure thing, which uh, uh, 
it's yeah. it's it's amazing. It's exciting because we did not make the game easy. <laughs> yeah. I, it's true. I did not. I didn't expect so many people to reach the end of the game. Really? Yeah. Um, and it's yeah, it's really awesome that so many people like cared enough to sort of like finish it, and then it's just and care enough to sort of make their own theories about things. Um, I think one of my favorites that I heard was someone. I think someone on the, I forget the Reddit or something was like, oh maybe, be like sort of the quantum fluctuations frequency that you hear when you aim the scope at like the quantum moon, maybe that's the song from the previous universe. Mm. Um, and just stuff like that, or like, you know, like, oh, what if the probe can just takes out the Ash Twin project? Like, <laughs> it, it's just fun to hear all of these sort of uh, people interpreting things in ways like we hadn't actually thought of. Yeah, that's that's fun. Yeah, no, that's that's, uh, I like that, that that's the, the previous song. Right? I was like, oh, I wish we thought of that. <laughs> Because, yeah, good. if your signal scope picks up music, it's basically what it does, so. Yeah, like, we steal that? I don't know. <laughs> Make it canon. Yeah. Very cool. All right, I think that's uh, that's probably all we've got, then, for the uh, for the stuff. Um, but, yeah, no, that's... I'm, I'm, it's been good talking to you guys because like there's, I've had a lot of these questions where like I was really curious about it, and it's always fun to hear about you know, design processes um, and and how they, like, how the game evolved over time. Oh, no, I, I do have one note left, and it's Ghost Matter Why. In what sense? Like, okay, so more specifically, I guess, like, it, it because I didn't, like if for a long time in the game I found it very frustrating, which is when I took that note. Um, but also like what mechanical because I had assumed for a long time that it was a gating mechanic to keep you from getting to late ga- game content too early, and that eventually you would find a way to dispel it, and that that was a good way of separating like early game content from late game content. Um, but you never find a way to dispel it. So like what does it serve a particular mechanical purpose other than just being an obstacle? <laughs> Is it um, like using your camera? I mean, we never wanted, yeah, we never wanted anything in the game that wasn't uh, uh, knowledge gated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. like, there was, you know, there was never going to be an ability you gain or something like that. Yeah, but so I assumed it would be like the, like getting down into Giant's Core that's like, I learned that all I have to do is, like, walk through it backwards or, you know, like, <laughs> take a picture from this angle uh, or something like that. I guess it would have been cool if inside the comet you learned a rule to bypass it. Yeah. That would, but origin- so originally there was never going to be ghost matter in the game. Um... And correct me if I'm wrong, I I actually, so originally it was going to be radiation. We did have a prototype way back when that was like, what if the probe could detect weird hidden hazards that are invisible to the naked eye? Um, But then it, but then I think you came up with it actually independently again, sort of when we were doing the comet originally, because it was like, the comet was going to be this thing that came in and, you know, it it was like a bomb, I think you said, and Mm -hmm. exploded. Um, And I, and then Lana had the idea of like, oh yeah, what if we have like these invisible pockets of danger sort of inside and it worked, it was like a really cool way to use the probe. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it was Aviman who had the idea of like, oh, what if like, what if it was just everywhere 
Right, because we mentioned we wanted it to have killed the Nomai. That was that was one thing we we had done. We're like, oh, we we didn't want the Nomai to die because they, I don't know, went too far or did you right. know like yeah the, the typical right. don't, don't punish like them for their exploration. Well, and narratively, like that was right. That was exactly like, that was always going to be. It was always some sort of natural disaster. And I was like, okay, the comet can do it because we don't have anything else for the comet to do. Um. And that's like a good, it makes sense. Um, or we can like make it make sense. But I think if I remember correctly, it was like, we were like, oh, but like, it's super weird that like the comet exploded and killed everybody. But like, we, we could, we, we couldn't have a good way to explain why there was still like active ghost matter inside the comet. Mm-hmm. And then, because I will, and back then it was radiation. It was like, well, why is this, if it exploded and it, it's everywhere, like, why is this still here? Mm-hmm. Um, and how do we explain this? And I think Aviman was the one who was like, oh, like, what if we just had it everywhere? And then it's sort of this additional hazard that it, it's another use for your scout. Um, and I think it, it definitely helped people learn to use the scout more um, and make it a little more of like a, an interesting tool. And then there's also just a lot of places in the game where we needed, um, we needed to sort of block off a pathway. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just nice to be able to do it. And, you know, there's certain places where you can't... You can only place so many, like, crumbled ruins in a, right. in a, like, in a doorway. You can throw the scout through just perfectly, but can't traverse yourself, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and so... Like, it helped with level design as well, of creating fun yeah. things like Alex's... Uh, Alex made the uh, the eye shrine in the Sunless City, which uh, I, it's one of my favorite place of uh, place in the game. Oh, where the you entire... can't touch the floor. The floor is lava. The floor, floor is lava. Yeah. Which it was all cactuses. Oh God! Of course it was. And, and, and which is ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> it's just like really stupid. Like what? Also, how do those cacti grow underground? Don't worry about it. Um, but once we swapped with the ghost matter, yeah, then suddenly it's like, oh, we can have this whole scene of like. A bunch of Nomai all gathered, they all died at once, and it's like a way more interesting uh, kind of emotional beat. And so, yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, it definitely, level design-wise, it was nice. It was nice to have the variety. I remember I had such a hard, you were so much better than me at, like, remembering we had it at our disposal, though. (laughs) Like, you were like, well, use Ghost Matter. I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot about Ghost Matter. Yeah. Um, But I think it worked out in the end. If there's... The only thing I'm like still on the fence about is uh, the the photo mode on the camera on the probe, um, mm, yeah. and whether or not that like trivializes too much of it. But uh, I I liked the I felt the for the part in the comet I felt like photo mode was necessary because if I'd had to oh, shoot no. a probe there, if no, I had to shoot a probe there, I would have like not been able to do it fast enough. It kills me a little bit whenever I see people using the, ca- the handheld camera mode in the comet. Uh, really? Because <laughs> it was like. And this is my fault, like, because I knew we already had camera mode, and I should have just been like, oh, everyone's just going to use camera mode. But I was kind of ripping off of one of Lone's. Lone had done the first pass on the comet back when, before we had photo mode, and it was like tossing the, the scout through these, like, pockets of, through these tunnels and pockets of radiation. Uh, and I thought it was really cool. Um, and so that whole sequence was supposed to be like, toss the probe to figure out which path is safe. And once you know which path is safe, you can just kind of do it. But what about, like, the part where you're, like, sliding downhill and you have to go, like, right and then left and, like, you don't have time to do that? Well, you can, well, if you throw the scout a few times, you can kind of figure out, you know, okay, go right, then I go left. That's really all you need to know. Okay. Um, not saying it was, like, you know, the cleanest thing ever. I just, uh, <laughs> that's, like, I think my personal pet peeve is, uh, is 
is camera. I like wish that when you entered the interloper, we could just be like too much ghost matter, camera mode, offline. <laughs> but that would probably give people the completely wrong impression. So. Yeah, and then you wouldn't be able to. People would think you wouldn't be able to use the photos on the the scout. And exactly. Yeah. It'd be like no, no, it's fine. I, and I I think photo mode. The original reason we added the handheld photo mode was actually to make the uh, quantum stuff easier. Ah, that makes sense too. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in the end, that ended up not because that was before we had the ability to sort of rotate the camera once the scout had attached to a surface. <laughs> yeah, that that would make it impossible if you right. Did. And it's just like, oh, we have to do this. And so in the end, I'm like, I don't know if we actually need the handheld cam, but it's in there. People seem to like it. Whatever. Yeah, I I appreciate it for what it's worth. I I am happy to have photo mode. That's super fair. <laughs> um, all right. Now that we've had our requisite one false ending. Uh, let's actually <laughs> proceed to the end of this so that we can also get you guys out <laughs> at the promised time. Uh, so next thing we usually do is like social media plugs and things. Wait, we got to talk uh, about the next game we're playing. Do we do the next game? You're right. We do the next yeah, game do. first. Yeah, social wow, media it's been is the so very long. Last thing. It's I know. been so long that I've forgotten the order of the podcast. <laughs> we're real wow. lusty. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So next game, Kelsa, tell us about yeah, the next game we're the, playing. The next game that we are going to be playing is Hypnospace Outlaw. We go from exploring space to exploring cyberspace. That was a super intentional uh, connection right there, just so totally you all know. It, you super guys. planned it. Um, yeah, Hypnospace Outlaw also came out recently. Uh, a game by uh, Tendershoot, Mike Lash, and That Which Is Media, published by No More Robots. I have already played it because I kickstarted. I was a background kickstarter. Uh, but basically you play as a moderator of sorts in a early 90s or late 90s. It was late 90s, the virtual world, and uh, solve, some, solve some internet mysteries. So All that's right. that. I'm, I'm looking forward. It has a very late 90s internet aesthetic, which I'm interested in seeing <laughs> yeah, how that'll yeah. That was the thing you brought up when when I had mentioned maybe doing it for the podcast, you said, I don't know what there is to this game besides the aesthetic. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it is it is basically a mystery game. So Okay. Cool. We've we been doing a lot of check that out. Yeah, we've been doing it we've been doing a number of mysteries lately. I, I guess I don't know if Black Closet really counts as a mystery, but I it think builds it does. Itself. It builds itself as a series of mysteries. Yeah. I, I would say that it does. Um, all right, yeah, so Hypnospace Outlaw. I'm not sure if it's still on sale. I think the Steam sales are going on another two days or so. Uh, if people want to try and catch it on summer sale. Um, yeah, it's currently still on sale on Steam as uh, as we record this uh, for another 46 and a half hours. Yeah, so, so get on if, you, if you listen to this, if you listen to this like real soon after it's released, you might have time to catch it on sale. Uh, yeah, so play that and We'll come back in two weeks and discuss that. Kelso, if they want to discuss it, how can they reach us? Uh, hello. You can find our the podcast Twitter on Twitter at Feedback Force. Uh, just send a message and say, hey, I would I would enjoy being on this podcast. And I will say, cool. Uh, uh, requirements are very low. You just have to have played the game and be available on a Sunday. And that's it. And that's have all. Skype. Yeah, have Skype. That too. That's all. That's so, all you need, baby. Hopefully, soon, sooner or later, we'll kick Skype. <laughs> eventually. Yeah, eventually. Uh, and also, uh, if you would like to not message the podcast Twitter, 
you can find me on Twitter uh, at Kelso Timebomb, where I mostly just shitpost and post pictures of my cat in a Bojangles box. Nice. Oh, yes. I did see that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Kyla underscore go. Um, you can find the game I'm working on, uh, on Twitter, uh, at, I'm double checking it, it so I don't get TC? it wrong. Yeah. Wintermore TC, yeah, got it. uh, at, at Wintermore TC, uh, for Wintermore Tactics Club. Uh, if you want to follow our social media and get information about the game uh, as we develop it. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, at Skaget3. Uh, and Alex, how can people find you if they want to contact you? Um, I guess I, I, am, I do have a Twitter, at Alex Beecham. Uh, I make no promises. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and Lone, if people want to get in touch with you. Um... Uh, they can post in our forum at uh, uh, digitalgames.com or uh, uh, on Facebook, Digital. All right. Very cool. Uh, okay. Yeah. So two weeks, Hypnospace Outlaw. Uh, thank you for joining us, everyone. And special thanks to, uh, to Lone and Alex for coming on the pod. It's been good having you. Yeah. Thanks yeah. so much. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Out of all the podcast episodes that we could have had devs on, this is probably the the best game for it, <laughs> it to be perfectly honest so yeah thank you so much for taking time out of your weekend yeah, no all right uh see you guys see everybody in a couple weeks yeah. bye bye, bye. bye.